The tits are here! The tits are here! And the gore, 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 and girls! Can it get any better? The director series is here, and we're at one of the most widely seen and quoted Nam Nai Choi movies ever. And and hopefully this deep in... just go undercover. Yeah, bitch, no. Yes! Unfortunately, it's, it's fucking online, online but um, not, not with subtitles. So oh, uh, so we still have to truck, for, truck forward, and we have arrived at... And, and you know, by the way, hopefully this deep into the series, the director series, and, and in 2012, the name Nam Nai Choi and, uh, and Ricky O, story of Ricky O, more closely connected than ever. Uh, that's the second movie of our podcasts, the story of Ricky, aka Ricky O. The first one is Erotic Ghost Story. That's where the tits come in. So it's tits and gore tonight. And uh, my name is Kenny B, and with me is Tom KW, and this is the director series on director Nam Nai Choi. Hello again, welcome back. It's been a while since we had a director series, but it's all our excuse is mainly life, or other people's excuse is mainly life. I just sit here, but uh, we've had loads of stuff to do. And uh, but um, thank you for waiting and thank you for sticking with it. We're almost at the tail end of the director series on Nam Night Show. This is the next to last episode, and we've reached, as we said, his. Category 3 op- category, category opuses, I guess. Uh, erotic ghost story and story of Ricky. And uh, this is uh, going to be uh, interesting and fun and uh, different to, to, some, to some degree. And uh, a good old discussion should await you. And uh, first of all, we'll do some uh, contact information before we go into the background of the first movie, which is Erotic Ghost Story. And this is, again, the director series on the Podcast on Fire Network website, where this is located, along with all the other shows, podcastonfire.com. Email for feedback, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. We had a members-only archive on our forum, which is still uh, something you can access if you're an old member of the forum, podcastonfire.com forward slash forum. Members-only meant we did extra content, outtakes, and exclusive content. But nowadays we post those in the bonus episodes. Uh, uh, it's a category on the website, and uh, those are exclusive podcasts to podcastonfire.com. Never on iTunes, never on Stitcher. So hope you enjoy that extra value. We enjoy doing it. Uh, we had a good old community on the forum that has now be, been expanded to even greater community on Facebook. We have our page, like our page and interact with us there, facebook.com forward slash POF network. And join the discussion in the discussion group and you can reach that from said page. There's a link and they just request to be added and you're in. Or you can just type in podcast on fire network in the Facebook search box and that will give you the discussion group. So welcome in and join us. Join us. Join us. And also follow our nonsense on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. Mainly I provide nonsense on my own Twitter account. Uh, the, our, the podcasts and Stu's account is more 
classy, obviously. And uh, on my site, SoGoodReviews.com, I provide writing of, among other things, uh, sexy, erotic, and sleazy movies, like erotic ghost story and gory movies occasionally, like Story of Ricky, but mostly Taiwanese and IFD and film arc is my main focus nowadays, uh, with dips into the sleaze, if you will. And uh, that is written reviews on SoGoodReviews.com. I also do brief video reviews on SleazyKVideo.com. Little bite-sized mini commentaries on the movies, which are condensed versions of my written reviews in uh, in uh, video form, so you can enjoy it that way. And I'm also on Twitter providing the nonsense, the sleaze of the nonsense. Mm. Twitter.com forward slash SoGoodReviews. Subscribe to us on iTunes. We have, I think in a way, for the director series, finally a separate feed that you can subscribe to if you do follow your podcast that way. So check us out on iTunes. If you like the show or any of the other shows, we would very much appreciate a rating or a even a small little review, and uh, that will help us immensely. So we thank you if you uh, take the time to do that. And finally, you can also stream us via Stitcher. The application available, um, well, it's available on the net. We have a show page for every or uh, every podcast on Fire Network show that you can reach if you go to a show post for this episode. But mainly, the smoothest way to take in Stitcher is to download it to either your iPad or your iPhone or your Android. Yeah, that application is free, and you can add each show on this network once you're in Stitcher by typing in podcast on Fire Network. So. We thank them for their support and uh, hope you enjoy streaming us if you choose to follow your podcasts that way. And describe uh, what uh, you do every now and again on thecinemashow.com, Tom. There are reviews there. You can enjoy. Much pleasure. Sexy time. <laughs> <laughs> Light a few candles, you know, run a bath, jump in, get the laptop on. Don't drop the laptop, just hold it with moist hands um, and just yeah read a review while your balls are soaking or if you're a lady you're a JJ that's, that's basically it that's basically it I'm telling you how to read them okay that's how you must read them I'm not I don't want this sitting at a desktop having a, having a drink no in the bath that's how it's got to be done okay that's how me and Ken get down everyone else needs to join I'm a right Ken Tell the people. Lisa Tom comes out now that it's a true, truly a oh, category no. three, a category three podcast. And now Tom's character is slowly so being created. I'd break the seal. I'd break the seal. That's yeah. it. It's Your now. choice, not mine. You know what you listen to now, motherfuckers. Who's <laughs> <laughs> so been explicit? It definitely is now. So, uh, all right, let's get into the first piece of um, sleaze then, because the second movie doesn't have any tits. It's only gore and violence. First one Whoa. is uh, a little bit of monster action, but mostly. The tits, if you will. I say that in the closest way possible. It, it is. It is. For me, it usually is. All about the porn. Anyway, erotic ghost story from 1990. We are going to talk about for a while here. And plot, first of all, from Love HK Films' review of the film. And you can find the link to their review of the film in the show post. So, Amy Ip is the primary spirit. And the others are played by Mansu and Kudo Hitomi. They're three sisters, but the, um, uh, and all of them, all three of them, are seduced by Wu Tang, played by Tan Lap Man, a horny fellow, if there ever was one. He's an evil devil, though, who does the three spirits and uh, dooms them to a hairy fate. So they retaliate with sorcery and plot devices very similar to the Witches of Eastwick. 
Meanwhile, all clothing is mysteriously absent. <laughs> also, someone managed to bring masking tape to the paws because it's featured on Amy Yip's breasts in place of nipples. I love Koso. <laughs> this is a plot summary. That's why I like look at his site first to get like a proper plot summary. You know what I mean? Because that is a pl- proper plot summary. Anyway, we are going to talk a little bit about the background to the film and the rating and its box office and of Amy Yip before we start discussing the movie. And period erotica was not uncharted territory for Hong Kong filmmakers as Shaw Brothers had several notable movies and classics uh, uh, done back in the day, including Cho Yun's Intimate Confessions of a Chinese Courtesan and the likes of Li Han Xiang's The Golden Lotus, which is a movie, it's okay, uh, but it's also quite notable for featuring uh, a young Jackie Chan in a small role. It, it's in like the first 20 minutes, plays this uh, boy who sells stuff on the street who witnesses stuff he shouldn't uh, witness and he gets killed during the first uh, reel of the film. So there's no sex scene for Jackie Chan in that movie, but he has one in the god-awful Golden Harvest, uh, like, uh, it seems like a Lunar New Year comedy, really. It's a movie called All in the Family. Uh, completely incoherent just a waste of time all in the family i had no idea what was going on but clearly it was like an event movie where everybody came out but an event movie that featured nudity <laughs> so there you go uh, this was all before the category free rating came to be that happened as many of you uh, now know uh, in 1988 or 1989 i always confuse it but it was the end of the end of the 80s and uh, directors like who Aside from the ones I mentioned, Cho Yun and primarily Li Han Xiang, uh, another director who was a notable director of erotica was a former photographer turned director Ho Fan. Uh, really one of the leading talents as the decades move, uh, went on, you know, even past Shaw Brothers where he worked at. Uh, in particular, his awesome looking movie, You Poison 2, is uh, really reference material and it's a uh, movie that references uh, the very famous novel The Carnal Prey Mat, which was the source for Sex and Zen as well. And they are very similar movies, although You Point Zen, despite featuring the crazy stuff that does happen in The Carnal Prey Mat, including the uh, penis transplant, it is a gloomier movie. Mm. Uh, But it's good in its own right. I I do like it. Visually astonishing, you know, considering the budget. And Sex and Zen is really reference material if you want to get into period erotica hong kong style watch mm. sex and sam because it's uh it's an experience it's uh, funny as hell well made and just uh, everything clicked in sex and sam really do you remember watching that because it has it's been a movie that has been out in the uk albeit not fully uncut at all times i believe yeah it's not been i think did we get a vhs made in hong kong vhs uh, mia Possibly. i believe MIA, yeah, I think we did, yeah, cut. I have, I haven't, not, I'm yet to see it, um, but I do want to see it because mm. apparently there are a bit of booby in it. I mean, I mean I've just heard that. I don't know where else. <laughs> There's a bit of boob. A bit, a bit of booby. A bit, a bit of boob in, in that. <laughs> you're, you're right. <laughs> no, uh, you're you're right, Tom. You, 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 your perception is correct. Uh, it's a tricky thing to figure out with a movie called Sex and Sam. Is there any zen in it? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I felt, I guess, serene and in tune with 
with the world and yeah. kind of like I've experienced something good after watching it. So I, so, so I, I, I guess you can argue that there is no sand in it, but uh, uh, I don't know if there's there any sand and... in your pants. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's any and in it either. It's just sex. <laughs> But then, sex, then, sex, sex, sex. Are you having like a stroke now in mid 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 show? Like then, sex, sex, Tom. Anyway, while sex and then jump started, jump started matters more for the period comedy softcore erotica in in the beginning of the nineties. Erotic ghost story and the Peter Noor directed sequel came out before Sex and Sam. And part one, as we are going to discuss here, did good business. It earned over 11 million Hong Kong dollars at the box office, so sex sells, and uh, probably Amy Yip uh, um, sells as well, because this was her first big category free role after having been in comedies and uh, supernatural comedy comedies, often structuring jokes, often featuring jokes that were structured around the size of her bosom. Obviously, mm-hmm. that, that there was a calling card, and they... They wanted to call that out the big time. Uh, and why shouldn't you? Uh, but Erotic Ghost Story signaled Amy Yip uh, going almost all the way because she has the implants and she had a desire to show a lot on screen, a lot of flesh, but never, never ever nipples. Never the whole shebang. Never nipples on screen. Thus, coining the phrase, sometime this phrase came to be. And it's appropriate. Yeah, the yip tease. And that's what's going on in Erotic Ghost Story, kind of big time. Uh, as I will explain uh, and mention uh, in the bio, you can see her character's breast in Sex and Sin. So I'll explain what that actually means. Uh, we've done an Amy Yip background on uh, our This Week in Sleaze Sex and Sin special, but um, in case you didn't know about her, we're going to go through a little bit of her bio and Really, you should give her a lot of credit because she's one of those actresses that managed managed to, over a limited career span, create a big reputation and also take part in some cult classic movies during her during her and really this golden period of Hong Kong cinema in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and, and again, obviously known for her bust more than, you know, more than anything else. Uh, and pretty much 80-90% of her movies would play up, you know, Th- that fact to various creative and even yep. cheap degrees uh, but but she was game for it you know i i couldn't mm. you know if she was suffering behind the scenes i couldn't see it because i i always saw her as being game you know and that uh, came through uh, on the screen mm-hmm. uh, in particular if you watch movies that i'm um, going to mention here but uh, she joined the atv acting classes after graduation and was signed to golden harvest in 1987 and a pre uh, some pre-category free work that you can see her in is uh, as the busty cop squad girl in the Inspector Westgirts mm. 2. Uh, a finale joke is structured around that bust. I think she gets shot in the breast, but she has uh, armored plates over her breasts. Classic. Yeah, and there's a wonderful screen cap of that where she reveals that um, and smiles, you know, all happily. I do love the poster that film has got Jackie Chan's face in an egg. On the side, bigger than everyone else's. <laughs> even, over the, even for the second movie? Yeah, second movie, yeah. Because I, I know he produced the first. Um, but, did he, uh, did, did he, did he do, do action, maybe? I think he did action on the second one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah maybe. Yeah. I, I, I hated the second one. It was one of those. I don't mind it usually, but here it was so evident that they didn't have 
and their script. Uh, it was just yeah. all skits, 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 training, skits, skits, an action finale, and then it was over. And it wasn't enough for me, in all honesty, no. in the case of that movie. Yeah. Uh, in, in that series, the Inspector West Guards, the only one I really recommend personally, despite the cost of the first, uh, the only one I recommend is the fourth. The fourth is fun because it has a lot of cool gadgets uh, as part of the action. So um, nice. it, was all, it was all good. Uh, <clears throat> another standout movie that I really recommend you should try and get uh, in terms of um, Amy Hip movies is uh, the uh, movie called Ghostly Vixen, where she plays this evil supernatural ghostly vixen uh, it's really an energetic uh, energetic uh, uh, not even horror comedy it's a ghost comedy it's a supernatural comedy directed by Wilson Chin who is the director behind the entire Inspector West Girls series and it really it's from a perfect time in Hong Kong cinema and I'm sure you can agree Tom where you know you, you had such terrific creative energy in, um, yep. in especially yep. when it came to special effects and, and supernatural oh, shenanigans if you will the director that we're, you know, kind of going through is Ovar here is is completely kind of of that league, completely of that time and that period. Mm-hmm. Just, and, the, you know, a great example of it. And a league of his own, really. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh God, yeah. Um, again, for Amy, she became known for almost showing everything on screen. Uh, and the term Yiptis, you know, pretty much sums that up. You know, it applies uh, very well. And erotic uh, ghost story did did and does its best still to hide her creatively and uh, sex and s- <laughs> yeah isn't it frustrating <laughs> when you think you've seen them you haven't <laughs> and that is true for sex and sin because uh, uh, whenever there's Amy Yip nudity they're, they're actually inserts of someone else's uh, silicone breasts so yeah but it's, uh, you know what in all honesty it's pretty well made if you didn't know that was her reputation, you would think that she did nudity in that film. So it's well, not. Well, uh... you ruined that film for me, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> but all of that, you know, in a very sadistic way, that Yipti is added to the fun for some movies because it genuinely felt creative the way they were hiding her. You know, that was the mission. You gotta hide that part of her. You gotta. <laughs> we've done, we've done melons. We've done, we've done bikes. We've done two, two swans. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, what else can we do, lads? <laughs> and um, Robot Tricks is another standout for Amy, where she plays um, a, a robot uh, who's curious about sex. Yeah, that's the kind of movies I like. It, it's a <laughs> cheesy must-see, really, with some violent streaks in it. You know, thanks to Billy Chow, it's, that movie's pretty fucking vile nasty, at points. Nasty edge. Uh, you know what? She was never much utilized much as an actress, which is a shame. Uh, but the few vehicles that where she did get a lead role, uh, all worth checking out. The Queen of Underworld, uh, she plays against the against the boss in that one. Very brutal uh, Wong Jing production. I really dig it. Uh, but China Dolls is something you gotta track down if you, if you can find it. She plays this mainland immigrant who's forced into prostitution while looking for her son in Hong Kong. Uh, Lam Ching Ying appears uh, briefly in that movie and uh, we did cover it on this weekend's lease and uh, yep. it, it really I, I think it's uh, her best performance it's a very touching performance at points and uh, not uh, not a movie that screams let's try and hide her you know what I mean because they do focus on the drama primarily it's a shame it was so late in her career before she actually started you know kind of breaking out in these roles because mm-hmm. I mean she ended what mid 90s 
she kind of left the uh, left. Did she? I think she. But did she? I can't remember what she's gone to do, but yeah, I mean, if you're talking like 95, 96, she's completely gone from mm -hmm. the map of Hong Kong cinema. So it's a shame yeah. that it was it was late for a breakout. Absolutely. Uh, so that I appreciate a lot that we got that uh, actually. But uh, one fight I mentioned is her cameo in uh, the once rare but not anymore Xing Fuyon starring a vehicle called Blue Gene Monster, where he plays a cop that dies, but comes back as a zombie essentially to exact revenge, but also. And, and this is the best part because it's really touching but also to see the birth of his uh, child because his uh, wife oh, is pregnant oh. it's really sweet mm. and insane movie directed by Ivan Lai and Amy Yip has a cameo where she plays this uh, stripper gram essentially who gets her boobs squeezed until they burst lovely <laughs> it, it's not gory obviously it's Obviously, the, the, the liquid <laughs> in, in, in the boobs that comes spurting all over the place. Uh, just jaw-dropping Hong Kong cinema that will never be like that and feel like that again. And uh, nice. Yeah, nice. it's a 1991 movie, I believe, directed by Ivan Lai, who did Daughter of Darkness 1 and 2, among other things. Uh, category 3 director, mostly, but uh, got some good stuff. This is not a category 3 movie, The Blue Jean Monster. And uh, a, a dear old favorite of mine and uh, pretty much for anyone who watches it, watches it for, for that scene but yep. obviously to see Xing Foyon do really really well in a lead role do his thing yep yep definitely and uh, it's all good so that's um, that's the background you know the background of Nam Night Joy from before so we won't go into that so we are going to go into discussing and reviewing Erotic Ghost Story and um, I'm not really teased and neither have you what we think of this um, before so let's uh, reveal the yeah, mystery sure. now with your first brief opinion of erotic ghost story tom my uh, brief opinion of, it's 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 a peculiar kind of uh almost anomaly in in nan's filmography and it's obviously it's refreshing to see him touch upon this this type of material um but i think for the most part it's a bit of a damp squid and i'm saying it it, it, it works very much on on highlights rather than a complete entertaining piece mm -hmm. would be my yeah my kind of sum up of, of it yeah. you you yeah uh, yeah i'm i'm yeah. i'm pretty much on the level on that level too i mean it takes enough enough boxes for the category free crowd uh, yes but but it's no sex and sand uh, uh but what is really as you will know when you see sex and sand i think it's really like it uh it's uh you know it also takes enough boxes uh in terms of what you can uh often and sometimes uh, expect from a Nam Night Choi movie, especially in terms of excess and special effects yeah. energy. Uh, I don't think necessarily sex movies uh, prove to be his forte, uh, as evident uh, by this movie. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I... I... It, it, it's not bad, but it's I, not... I... It, it, feel, it feels... this For me, it feels a bit distant from the quality I usually expect from Nam Night Choi, but you know, you know what? I expect high quality. Rightly so. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I agree. I, th I think I, mean, I, I somewhat agree with you. Some of disagree. I think I think that, that at the end of the day, the main question here is disregarding the you know how good the actual film overall is. Is can Nam shoot erotica? And I think he he does have a grasp on those thing, on those scenes. A grasp. I think, I, know, I, I, I think I, I also feel you know they're, they're kind of surprisingly you know, sensual and and work very well because they're without any kind of unwanted comedic moments. You know, yeah. there's, there's, an, there's an honesty to them. He doesn't try to water them down by shooting away from the action or 
or cutting to a, a comedic moment or letting the scene take on any other feel but erotic. And I think because of that, they work very well as individual scenes. Um, they're quite intense. I just feel, other than the sex scenes, that the film is deathly boring in spots. Mm-hmm. They, um, you know, throughout, I mean, obviously, arguably we get to the finale, but I think until the finale, the only thing that the film's running on are the kind of the, the handful of sex scenes. Yeah, very much true, too. Uh, I didn't necessarily look forward to more Nam Night Joy, you know, sex scenes in movies. It was not like I. Yeah. I, I was not. I don't have a first for it necessarily. But what's here is sufficient. And when you watch a lot of these movies, which I have, you, you <laughs> notice you notice the different levels, uh, you know, of quality. And uh, you know, if you look at the beginning, it's uh, it's, it's not inspiring to see, uh, you know, arguably uh, a well costumed and made up lady, but just shot outside. You know, it's not. It it doesn't scream budget. And, and and a lot of category three movies felt this way, even during the Sex and Sin explosion, if you will, and and especially after, because as the years went by and the amount of movies like this came out, it became definitely became watered down and really embarrassing. So, in all honesty, compared to a lot of this stuff that I've seen, it looks nice and clean, and there's some the camera tracks the action well, but anything shot just in the forest with one well-costumed lady walking around. It doesn't scream like, you know, we're in for an epic Chinese costume movie here. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a kind of uh, almost false kind of beginning, isn't it? It doesn't really... I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't really kind of set the tone of the film very well. I don't think it really kind of draws you in. You're really kind of with... Apart from, like, Amy, if you're obviously with characters that don't really make it to the rest of the film. So, <laughs> so it's quite like a kind of a, a full start until we get to the main kind of... Yeah, because the, the better design and visuals come later, and yes. they are they are pretty pretty damn solid. Uh, not a lot of dopey comedy, thankfully. There is some here oh. at the beginning that uh, I don't know. It kind of amuses me that the promise of tits makes men running groups to watch. Yes, <laughs> at the beginning of the film, you know, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but but that scenario, I'm sure you remember it. That uh, Amy Hip essentially like, here's all my sisters, go have sex with them, and then it's a you know a supernatural con. So do you want to give the listeners a bit of a insight into that opening um, con, if you will? Well, yeah, we, we we these guys think they've just you know they've hit the jackpot. There's Amy Hip, there's Saint Joe, I got some sisters. You can go in them trees and have your way. So they get in line. So <laughs> they initially get in line because they think it's, they're going to be all on Amy Yip, but she yeah. says, yeah, we've got some sisters, okay? So they jump in, and then they're having the time of their life. You can all see some of them are, again, quite sweaty. It's it's quite grotesque. Um, <laughs> but not as grotesque as what happens when um, all of a sudden they turn turn into these, like, you could say decomposed corpses mm-hmm. um, with, uh, with, with, like, white oozing pus coming down <laughs> their, their eyes and, and, and orifices and uh, one unlucky bastard gets uh, turns Amy turns to an old lady yes <laughs> no makeup needed there she was old uh, and one unlucky bastard also gets his cock uh, stuck in the corpse and is actually running to get help from his boss and has his penis still in the corpse which is uh, <laughs> Which you can tell the level of taste we're going to be on. Yep, sir. But saying that, it is... That is fun. It, it's fun. And saying that, it doesn't go too far. It's not distasteful. It is quite funny. And Do we get some taste of uh, Nam Night Joy's, uh, uh, you know, 
now frequent desire to go a bit graphic on us because yeah. the uh, the corpses are again it's it's a lazy comparison but you know because it does uh, make it a bit grotesque. I keep thinking of Lucio Fulci because oh, Lu- Lucio was the king of making stuff look grotesque. Um, this doesn't have uh, enough slime uh, and maggots. Oh no, no, yeah, coming out of it, yeah, yeah. I think we, I think we, you know, we, we've made those comparisons before. He's, he's very much like you know Lucio Fulci in terms of um, he got stuck into gore and that's all he did for the rest of his career. Um, very similar kind of career trajectory. What he's known for. I mean, I'm not sure. I don't think got, got stuck, but it is what he's known for. L- yeah, well, L- he, Lucio he Fulci's westerns and dramas and giallos is not yeah, something but, that people it, think of directly. Yeah, but in terms, yeah, in terms of like they both started out kind of with different it's experiments in genres, then obviously found their yeah. either found their niche or were you know caught in that in the gore because of what their fans wanted, or whether they just wanted to make the type of films. But very similar kind of career trajectories in that way. Um, I think when we watch the cat, you're gonna appreciate that. I think Nam had a very uh, had a great love for sci-fi and B movies and goo yeah. and may and gore maybe fourth on that. I, list, you I'm know what very I mean? much looking forward to rewatching the cat. Yeah, because I saw it at a time when I wasn't very familiar with his, his filmography, so I'm very much looking forward to to seeing it with you know seeing it the rest of his kind of stuff in sequence. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, on, I mean, onto this film. One thing we, we said about Amy Year, but um, I just think it, it is very annoying. <laughs> and it frustrates here, me. Here we go, another one uh, that is annoying. <laughs> by the way. Well, yeah, it frustrates me that she was cast in a role that, okay, she needs to bear it all, or at least most of it, and she refrains from partaking in any of it when all of the, you know, the rest of the other two female leads go for it. She almost seems, you know, I, I don't know how she how she's in sex and I can't comment it, but here she always seems awkward. With, with the erotic moments, and it feels very daft, as I said, to have you know fully new female leads, and for her just to get her shoulder out, or a bit of side boob, or a toe, and she almost seems to be saying like, "I'm Amy Yip, I'm really sexy. Look at me. You should be goddamn grateful just to see this little peep." But in actuality, by doing that, she's the weakest link in the chain in terms <laughs> of the appeal of the leads. Yeah. yeah, but I can see why she was cast obviously to boost, you know, almost the star appeal because it's not a film that has got a lot of stars in stars per se. It's mostly she kind of made her name, and and, and they could probably go off the back of that. Mm-hmm. Um, was was Sex and Sin before this or afterwards? Uh, this was uh, Sex and Sin was after, but uh, she's been at it, and obviously, I think an industry reputation definitely was there about <laughs> about the way she looked, you know, yeah. because she had had them down for for a number of there. years. Yeah. yeah, so the rep was there, so obviously from, from the back of it, I, I suppose that's why the cast are in it, but it does seem stupid at times in that it's almost like it's giving you what you want, but then it's not giving you what you want when she comes onto screen. So it's a very, it's a very I don't know why you didn't cast, you know, another lead that was like the other the, the other girls that would, would, would bear it all and would get into the groove of that and, and do it in that way. It, she almost feels like a kind of like a second stringer to the other girls. And I'm not saying just because they're getting naked, but they just seem like very kind of, they're ready to willing to go with what the plot demands, where she kind of feels like she needs to pull herself back. That's why Michael Mack, who directed Sex and Sam, was way too clever, uh, not way too clever, way much clever, uh, in the way he structured the various scenes, comedic, sexy or not, in Sex and Sam, because it's yeah. a really a smooth... Uh, smooth uh, transition between the standing boobs, if you will. Uh, yeah, yeah they, they literally are, but it, it's really well made. You know what? Even though I've said I've ruined it, I, I think you're going to be... Uh, you, you said I ruined it. I think you're going to be impressed that it's uh, 
it's uh, pretty seamless, to to be honest. Yeah. Oh, that's that's, that's no, that's um, that's yeah. I'm I am looking forward to seeing it. But yeah, here it's not. It's you know, obviously it's not attempted here. It's it's more. She just kind of covers up, and it's more. I mean, yeah. I mean, you could you could argue that if the whole film was like that, then it probably would work because it's quite you know teasing and in that kind of area. But to have you know her do that and then ten minutes later, you know, another actress get completely naked. It kind of just it does it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I want all the women naked. God damn it. Yeah, asking who said on that uh, podcast we did on Sex and Sin, like, you you go to the trouble of uh, going through the boob job, yeah, yeah, and, and you and you and you decide to appear in these kind of movies. How yeah. dare you not show us them? Yeah, how dare her? <laughs> All right, <laughs> I'm taking the same stance on that. But uh, oh yeah, I forgot to mention as well. I did. I don't know whether you can clarify this. What you've heard, Ken, but I did read this was made in 1987 but wasn't released till 90 that i didn't know of but and, who and, and, knows well but i've read a few sources and you know again i'm not gonna say that it's definitely that's what happened because you know it might not but it's curious that you say cat three that came in around 88 to 89 mm-hmm. this was made in 87 and postponed for three years did this have anything to do with that or was this really, was this made and they said, "Nam, you can't release that," and then they had to wait till ninety till the cat through you know rating. No, 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 uh, no. Because uh, your point then came out before the category three rating, and and this is not more filthier than your okay. point then too. So I mean, it would have been releasable, definitely. Been releasable. Okay, so maybe yeah. So there might be you know the reason then it might be. I mean, I, I don't know, but I've heard that you know is that May ninety seven. Um, and it wasn't released till yeah ninety, which had its yeah, the initial initial. It was made an initial release eighty seven, but had a main theatrical run in Hong Kong in nineteen ninety, which I'm reading on quite a few sources. We don't, I can't clarify that, but that makes it it kind of makes it more interesting placing mm-hmm. it in that kind of type in that place in his filmography rather than where it is. Well timed, you know, conscious or not, because it did get a pretty long run, and as we said, you know, ten eleven Hong Kong uh, Hong Kong uh, ten. 11 million Hong Kong dollars at the box yeah. office so yeah. uh, so so I mean it worked out uh, eventually oh, yeah. yeah definitely uh, you know th- th- there is some themes here about these uh, these ghosts these fairies uh, about uh, they have dreams uh, individually of, uh, you see dreams uh, where they're picking flowers you see them dreaming of chasing birds chasing men and maybe chasing humanity that's a very minor thread but it is inserted here at, at at one point before we get our first gorgeous uh gorgeous look at a gorgeous visuals here and it's during the first um one of the first nude scenes and it's the bath slash masturbation scene for our japanese actress or av girl or or, or fucking hell call it what they are porn stars <laughs> uh, <laughs> kudo he told me uh, yes. who, who takes a bath at night and and that's um that little pond that they have where they live, you know, and there's a little waterfall behind her. That set is probably very slight in reality, but yep. it looks gorgeous on screen. Gorgeous, yeah. You get the best look of it when the next one neighbor uh, peeps over, yep. and you kind of get the shot from above looking down on it when they're all kind of in there. Yeah, it looks absolutely beautiful. It looks like a like a Shaw Brothers set. Mm-hmm. And and uh, and it should be mentioned that Nam Nai Choi was also the cinematographer on this movie. So uh, yep. all kudos to to him for uh, for a look here for a look here. Uh, 
you know, setting aside the fact that uh, a- Amy was annoying, you know, she she was a gamer, you know, she was game on to get into the action to a point at least, you know, uh, up for most anything beside the nipples. Uh, and, and I do appreciate that, uh, you know, in, in, a, in an overall sense, uh, you know, because I, I get really, in an overall sense, very happy to see Amy Ip on screen, but more so in the in the vehicles that weren't, that were less erotica, you know what I mean? Because uh, they, she, w- what a great period to be in Hong Kong cinema, you know, just shoot for the moon in terms of the types of script, types of genres, and and they would get made. You know, a movie like Blue Jean Monster would just feel forced today. Just mm. feel utterly, utterly forced uh, with all the technolog- technological advances, which doesn't make room for much creativity. Uh, you know, low budget creativity. Well, it's true. It's just that type of um, that type of kind of era as well. Mm-hmm. You could probably get away with it. We said it before. Like, depending on the the quality of the film, um, doesn't really matter. It's just got that kind of that creativity is there. People were allowed to put that creativity there, even though they might not have a story for a full film. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's talk of uh, our Jack Nicholson of this uh, one. May like the Tanlap man. Really, you know, I, I know of him from a fair few movies. Having watched, uh, having watched Category Three movies, you know, quite a, can be quite a vile villain but he's better at being like a vile sleaze which you can see in this partly you know his uh his uh his ways <laughs> you know what i mean when he gets into it he gets into it uh yeah. it's evident in in this partly it's a evident a lot in the lihan shang directed golden lotus love and desire which is a latter movie uh, he did golden lotus and uh, Shaw brothers uh, this is a latter movie uh he's also in jin ping may which is um a series of movies that uh, or that uses uh, a novel that I I can't uh, I think it's called in uh, in English like the plum in the golden vase and it's the same source material that the forbidden legend sex and chopsticks uh, used so he plays the lead character in that one and he got the Gary Oldman part from State of Grace in the Chu Yinping ripoff slash remake of of State of Grace called Hunting List but he has this long mane of hair, often glasses on, and you you can't recognize him at all. He's buried underneath that, but it's a great, great energetic part, and and uh, can't rival Gary Oldman from State of Grace. Obviously, that that's a it's Gary Oldman, but uh, uh, it, it's a uh, it's a good one. Uh, possibly a Taiwanese actor, but uh, that I don't have on on, on forward to, just because he appeared in one Taiwanese movie, Hunting List. Uh, that doesn't mean he's Taiwanese, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> What a load of crap on Hong Kong movie database about it. Who, who thought that there was a translation or like a minor bio of the oh, fact that people coming. think he's <laughs> he's the sexiest man in Hong Kong, possibly say, I mean, po- possibly because he played a sexual deviant and a rapist on screen. What's sexy yeah, about that? For me personally, I think I think being a Chinese movie fan, I, I called the guy the sexiest man in HK, and it was possibly yeah. referring to you know his frequently played role of lecturer or rapist because um, that's, that's, that that's, that's, that's hot that's steamy because you know forced <laughs> sex is always hot you know? he's great though but like uh, really <laughs> sexiest oh, yeah, okay that I mean, might be mis- mistranslation there yeah, it might it's be, a great um, mistranslation I think it might be he's now the most uh, feared man in HK yeah <laughs> Possibly referring to his frequently played role of lecturer or rapist. This guy or, or can have three heads. 
But uh, it's again me- worth mentioning that this movie uses uh, as a template partly the story of uh, The Witches of Eastwick. Uh, and Tanlatman is therefore in the Jack Nicholson role, but it, it isn't copied beat by beat in terms of that, because he plays a scholar, he's not a horny devil like Jack Nac- Nicholson is, and not as much of a trickster in that way, you know what I mean? Mm. He, yeah. he His monster, you know, wakes up as the movie goes on, you know, when he's got his women, then he comes out fully, but uh, it's clear The Witches of Eastwick was an inspiration, this is not a beat by beat copy of it. Uh, I mean, he even despises some of the women's actions in, in this movie because they peep uh, him, uh, peep at him, you know, changing clothes, and he's, uh, he despises that. So it's clear yeah. that they're going for something different here. Yeah, he hasn't got any kind of uh, the, the plot or evil plot. It, things just seem to happen with him rather than him uh, scheming. Yeah, exactly. It I seems mean. just like things just seem to kind of happen. Uh, and the, the, the firm like reference to witches of east which comes at the end which i'm sure we'll talk talk of uh, a little bit about uh what i appreciate about the visual design i love how the actresses are often color separated and and they have these beautiful brightly colored long flowing garments on them that are simply eye popping even in scenes that aren't really well designed in the background you know when they're just moving through environments these oh, yeah. actresses look great and they're caught well by namnai Choi's eye here uh, yes. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, I it really captures, admire it. It captures the light, even though I think sometimes the scenery might be a bit drab. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not talking about like you know the, the kind of the, the pool and the, the, the stuff we were saying. I think more like the house interiors and and I mean the guy just lives in a shack mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that. And and obviously there's, there's small bits of town etc. and woods, but most of it there's ne- there's never any breathtaking scenery. But uh, he always Nam always goes out his way to film them in the best way possible and there's always these shots of there when they have these kind of like capes um, and I just think there's a scene where where one of the leads she's kind of praised praised the Buddha mm-hmm. and it should, he, he takes his time to kind of have this upward shot of it flowing and you could just tell like the shape of her and everything is just he, you could tell that he was going out of, out of his way to try and uh, you know take a break maybe or, or, or put less concentration on the gore and maybe put more concentration onto the way he was filming and trying to make it sensual mm-hmm. and trying to make it kind of you know look and feel in that genre. And I think for the most part, when he when he's filming them, it, it, it works. He, he does he does do that very very well. I agree, and uh, and do I also like the transfer again back to Tamlap Man. I like the transformation when you do uh, get get a feeling that the animal is coming out. Uh, yeah. You know, when his hair is let down and during one of the sex scenes, you know, you see a bit of that horny devil and it's kind of wise and telling uh, to shoot some of that in slow motion. Yeah. Uh, because it's, you know, he, he's merely, we're not talking makeup effects here, you know, he's merely like moving and there's noises on the soundtrack, you know, but yeah. it works quite a bit. It's not eerie as such, but, you know, r- rather than him, you know, doing that stuff 24 frames a second, then I'm wisely shoes a slow motion for a bit here. Uh, yeah, you know, it so feels more like an animal slowly coming out, literally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a good. Um, it's, it's a great transformation because for the last, it's like the last. I think the 15 minutes we finally get the kind of trademark, you know, Nanotoy magic, mm-hmm. um, where we get kind of transformation sequence. We get, we get, we get the gore. I, I don't think. I mean, even I felt it was slightly subpar in comparison to previous films. I don't think it. I don't think it was intense or, or as graphic uh, as his previous kind of gore effects in his films, and thus 
you know, slightly less effective, but um, still the transformation sequence and the actual idea and the actual design of, of you know, the creature turned into is, is, is pretty great, pretty yeah. shocking. Um, and uh, I'm sure we have some more details on that as we uh, go along. We, we're not really spoiling it here as such, but... Uh, oh, uh, no. no. Uh, going back a little bit to... I mean, again, we talked about it initially, and I, I do agree, he, Nam does well when sh- creating eroticism. And, uh, you know, and that wasn't a given during this time, again, even mid, uh, mid-Sex and Sen explosion or post-Sex and Sen explosion, that... You know, some movies would just have incredibly boring, visually static dry humping, you know. Just point and, you know, point and shoot, ship it to the cinemas, category three rating sales, you know, moving on, next movie. Yeah. Like we, a, don't, we don't get that here, you know, and no. uh, definitely, uh, you know, Sex and Sen is way above this. It's a higher budgeted movie. It has so many more setups and, and, uh, and um, locations and sets, you know, you know. Ten times bigger, but it, they, these two are still way about what followed, which had its pros and cons, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't. It was this. You know, it's not assembly line filmmaking. There's obviously there's a vision here to kind of make it make it feel the way it does. My only problem kind of... with it is that he stacks the sex scenes on top of each other. That I they, they, thought they do. Yeah, yeah, they do come the, kind the of three sisters. The... You know, yeah. three scenes, three sex Succession. scenes. And... <laughs> succession yeah so we, it we, felt we, like kind of uh, really i mean it looks good but i'm not three times in a row i mean i like it but you know not three times in a row Sp- space it out a little bit please and i thought that was kind of a flaw yeah i mean it, te- it kind of teases at the beginning with with bits and pieces and then we get in sex scenes and then yeah we kind of we don't get anything that's quite erotic we get kind of like the uh we get the nudity near the end but it's more kind of in a horrific manner if you know what I mean, mm-hmm. we get the scenes near the end, but obviously it's it's in a very different kind of way, uh, not and not kind of overtly. It's just a very different because when the when the horror and when the the gore effects start to happen, it takes on a different kind of spin with the nudity. But yeah, they, when they are in effect, the sex scenes they are kind of all mushed together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, it's not like, a long movie either. So I mean, d- these are the yeah, three yeah, d- these minutes, are the three sex uh, scenes of the movie, but still yeah. spa- space them out, man. I thought that, that was out, not a not a clever choice. By the way, one thing that is unusual for these movies, and I don't know if this shot was in the original uh, version of the movie, you never got a full view of a woman's vagina in these kind of movies. Uh, you got pubic oh, hair, but you don't, the Japanese actor shows it all. It's not like he fondles her down there, but there is a literal, um, you know, no mistake, shot of uh, yeah. a, a, a sort of mid, uh, not mid shot, but you know, it's um, it's a distance shot, but that was not usual, and maybe under censorship rules, they could get away with it if the actor wasn't, you know, trying to go at her. You know what I mean? Uh, because it's yeah, just that uh, we, we see it, and then the literal dry humping happens after that. Yeah, I think it was. It was, it was quite. I mean, it was quite shocking to me. Like, I mean, I think it was, it was shocking. Like, oh, holy shocking. shit! I've not I, seen that. I, just like, I have seen it. Just... I have seen it, but not. That way. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, what? <laughs> what is that? I don't like it. <laughs> I thought there's only hair down there. What the fuck is going on? I thought there was just a hole. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, 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 it was when I was started happening. It was quite shocking. It was quite the the way they're getting away with with quite a lot here. And I don't know whether it was. I mean, we can we can clarify that. This is the theatrical print on the DVD. 
and yeah, uh, it, it it might be uh, it might be extended because the release on home video meant that uh, you didn't need to uh, reclassify the um, movie or follow uh, follow the cinema version to a T. You know, there could be extended stuff here. Universe has done that for for a few category three movies, found stuff from other prints. Having said that, I didn't see any jumps in uh, quality here. For, no, 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 me neither. Yeah, but uh, I mean, the, uh, again, it. it it kind of makes it, and again, it, it steps it up a bit from the regular kind of, you know, factory line fare in this genre. It definitely feels like, it, you know, uh, different when it comes on. It's quite unique in that, in that it goes that far and it, and it shows that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, but I don't think it, it's never, it's never, um, it's never. I feel like we're just discussing porn now. Like, it's, no, it's, it's never. It's, that's why never, I'm here, Tom, and your friend. Never, it's never it's never it's never pervy it's never kind of like it doesn't feel like it's 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 kind of pervy or, or lecherous it feels quite arty and it feels quite you know as i said before quite sensual and i think it does well with with the with 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 those scenes they don't feel forced or they don't feel like you know the kind of the easy way out would be to put a bit of comedy there and make them feel quite silly mm-hmm. quite the you know kind of but they don't it's quite you know full-on quite heavy kind of erotica and i think that that really is what i take away from the film if anything is that the uniqueness to it how familiar are you with uh, the witches of eastwick i saw it years ago um i haven't i haven't seen it recently mm-hmm. but from what i remember this takes the characters not particularly the plot but more the the character or the more the characterizations of the characters and what the kind of the way they interact. I I think it takes a num the number of characters in quantity, you know, because that yeah. there were three women in that movie: Cher, Susan Sarandon, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Jack, and and here we have three, you know, uh, ghosts, supernatural fairies, kind of uh, uh, wolves in disguise. They literally are animals too, you know. Uh, they're about to be transformed to animals at one point in the movie. That that's. That that's all it has really in common. That's uh, a character enters and beds all of them, and then supernatural stuff happens. So I'm glad it's not a beat by beat remake. But one scene it copies pretty much uh, beat by beat is uh, the scene, uh, the cherry eating scene from The Witches of Eastwick with uh, Veronica Cartwright uh, from Alien. Uh, she uh, she starts vomiting uh, like digested cherries or whatever, and uh, and that is replicated here in the character of Mrs. Wong, uh, and uh, she starts spewing up some stuff, and then it starts itching down there. She has to beg her husband for sex, which is uh, Manfred Wong, who's a producer and stuff like that. Uh, uh, you know that that's element that it itches so much that she begs for sex that's not in witches of eastwick but there are hints of it in witches of eastwick which if you rewatch it Tommy, i mean it was an r-rated movie in the day and it it earns it it's a pretty full-on movie you know it's a it's a dark funny light movie and it uh it's edgy in a way um not just r for language i mean it's a you know, part of a horror movie too, and I I rewatched it before this podcast because I wanted to see, just make sure I didn't uh, uh, dream it up that it had so erotic ghost story had something in common with the Witches of Eastwick. Yeah. It yeah. does, uh, and uh, and uh, it's a kick-ass movie still. The Witches of Eastwick, yeah. uh, really a kick-ass movie, and Jack Nicholson was just born to play that role. You know, 
uh, he's uh, he doesn't need to have a lot of you know makeup to appear devilish. No, because, <laughs> uh, so he's absolutely wonderful. Uh, so 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 go let's let's talk some special effects. Before we go into the ending special effects, I want to just say that I still feel, despite this movie being 22 years old, that using animation is way better than most CG effects today. Okay. Uh, because there is a scene where where Wu Tang uh, lures in a girl. You know, he has to digest girls literally that, that, to that's survive. Wu, that's that's Wu Tang, not the Wu Tang Clan. They're not in this film. It's not. You know, it's not the Risa in this film. I'm sorry if anyone not thought I was talking about. Sorry about that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> or Wudong, uh, maybe. Not not even Wu-Tang, but Wudong. Uh, but he's re- clearly a monster and needs to digest women to um, stay uh, young. Uh, because you see him as old at one point, you know. And he oh, yeah. uses this, uh, he sends out this butterfly, which is a beautifully animated uh, oh, butterfly yeah. that the actors follows. And you know what, Tom? To my eyes, maybe it's just because I'm, I've grown up with it. To my eyes, it's uh, seamless. It's, it's beautiful. It looks, you know, it, it feels, it feels kind of, you know, it, it feels like it's part of the film. I think, which is, uh, which is the key ingredient is that I think, you know, if you've done CGI, and it doesn't look like it's part. It doesn't look fluid with the film. It looks like, you know, computer graphics on top of film. Mm-hmm. This film's like, this feels like it's part of the film. It flows with the film. But mm-hmm. no, I, I, I agree, and I think, you know, Nam's known for that. We get a lot of that in um, Saga Phoenix and. You know, but kind of uh, bits and pieces like ghost snatches as well, like bits and pieces flying around, like you know, animated stuff, and it it all feels. I think it's definitely a trademark of his. These kind of bright, colourful, uh, um, you know, lasers kind of most of the time, but like lasers, like kind of flowing, kind of like you know, orbs and and very like supernatural kind of stuff like that. It feels they look very like good that. here too. You know, in some yeah, movies they could look very good. cheap. Uh, even those animated effects, but here they look really good when you go when they go the zoo route, if you will, to uh, to really um, you know because yeah. zoo really started that firmly, even though Shaw Brothers had done it before. But uh, the 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 dips into you know the pew 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 laser war that 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 looks pretty pretty damn good and uh, and and on you know the physical effects. Uh, what what happens with the Tan Lap Man character is that he starts transforming into a monster by the end, uh, and uh, the, the women, uh, like in the Witches of Eastwick, they uh, they f- you know, fight back and bring a, bring the monster out in him. You know the the finale is therefore the most uh, the one thing that most strongly resembles the Witches of Eastwick. Still not a shot by shot, beat by beat, Shu Yinping style <laughs> copy exercise here. Uh, and I love the tra- transformation uh, of uh, Tan Lap Man. He, uh, it's a kind of Hulk style transformation with uh, dissolve cuts, uh, but it's one crazy intense transformation because he turns in- into three-headed Wu Tang, yep. and and it's worth waiting for that beat. I mean, it, it is pure rubber. Uh, you know that the, the spe- special effects. You know, it's not seamless in that regard. But you know what? I think it's absolutely. Uh, Awesome here, and uh, I, I shit my pants. I did a poo my pants when that came on. Yep, yep. Rubber can scare me like that. I mean, I can't, <laughs> I can't even, you know, draw a picture because if the rubber's there, one of them. <laughs> so as soon as I see rubber, how, how grotesque it is um, <laughs> in this film. Yeah, it's, it's it's horrible. I think it, it does work in some way. That the rest of the film is quite quiet. And then this comes along. And it's just like, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a bit kick-ass. Too. I mean, I've seen better, or rather, 
more uh, intense energy in uh, a Night Night Choi movie, you know, the entire Seven Curse, essentially. It, it's true that that's what I feel. It's not as, you know, it's not as kind of energetic, but I think it works in this because the rest of the film is quite of a different, different kind of uh, quietness. So it, but in my mind, it doesn't. It didn't mean that he lost it because, in my opinion, anyway, the cat is as good as anything in Seventh Curse. So it's, uh, it, you know, it was still there. It was not, uh, you know, fading out from from him. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think it it definitely feels a lot cheaper in this film, uh, and I think I think it's probably from the fact that I think and I think it's saying about the whole release date as well. I think that maybe why it feels quite awkward sitting next to Riccio when that of gore feels quite next level which we'll get into um this kind of makes more sense that it was from that period of around seventh curse ghost snatchers um rather than this late in his career if you think about it it mm-hmm. seems to kind of yeah it seems to be kind of of that, that, of that level it's still yeah, it's yeah still it doesn't football. scream 1990 instead of no, 87 no, 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 or vice versa though so that's uh, what you, i feel yeah it's, it's, it's still feel it's still feel i mean it's still fun kind of great kind of you know visual effects but i think yeah, he's done. He did do better in in other films of his. The, the one thing I thought was lacking in the special effects department here is that they should have slimed up uh, the rubber monster a bit more because you know what the jelly and slime uh, <clears throat> on, on monsters you know makes all the difference. You know here it was just a regular rubber puppet in a way. He's he's looking a bit dry. Yeah, um, he's looking a bit dry. I would, <laughs> I, would, I would I would recommend each morning just a bit of Dove moisturizer on yeah. the left mm-hmm. cheek and right cheek. Um, and just rub that in. I mean, oh, oh, he's got six cheeks, so it's probably going to take a long time. <laughs> um, I'll rethink. Just let him. Know, I'll rethink it. And I'll get back to him. Yeah. He's looking. He's looking. He's looking a bit dry. He's uh, he's decently physical to act uh, Tanlapman uh, because he he's not uh, in you know full makeup all the time. You know, he's uh, asked to you know uh, su- suffer a while voodoo is performed on him, which is a beat from. Uh, Witches of Eastwick as well, yeah. as uh, the witches literally do that to him. Uh, uh, so it's a little echo of Nicholson's uh, performance here. But, uh, you know, uh, the, the free-headed end is uh, is good fun, and uh, there's uh, enough stimulants here and energy to make it awesome for me even. I, I really, I'm weak for it. I can recognize that it's not up to that high level. Again, we're, we're comparing to a high level. But, uh, it, you know, it, it, um, it, if, it, if you as a viewer didn't feel, and I'm no, not saying you, I'm saying you general, in general. If you, you as guys. a viewer didn't feel, you guys, hey guys. If you didn't feel that this was a Nam Night Choi movie, that it has no identity in terms of that. It definitely appears here at the end. Yeah. And, yep. uh, but, but the mix is all fine. You know, not my, not my favorite Nam Night Choi movie, but oh. enough... Uh, enough stuff to edit into a highlight reel and watch every now and again too it's not uh, not a trick at all and, and it's an interesting experiment to see him uh, uh, dip uh, into this kind of category free filmmaking he did her vengeance which was uh, uh rape revenge you know didn't hinge on goofy erotica or anything so so it's all it's all good uh, uh, i just have Two minor notes that I'm going to give you all and notes on how you can find this movie. But I'll, 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 I'll let you do whatever notes you might still have first, Tom, and, or sum up the movie if you like. Yeah, I mean, I can, uh, yeah, I, guess I can, I can summarize. Um, I think my main, well, really, what really boils down to is the fact that I feel it sits on that awkward fence of, of not being crazy and not, 
insane enough to work as a splatter film, but it's not dramatic and not you know not written kind of well enough to function as an erotic drama. It's an it's an awkward mix of the two, and aside from the erotica kind of sprinklings, it's a pretty dull watch. Dual watch, but I think I think Nam does well with erotica, and I think I would have liked to seen you know an effort from him that, that, that in this field again that could possibly be a bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also feel like there is if you do hold out, there is the kind of um, you know the trademark Nam Naishoi uh, gore at the end. So I mean, it, it, I think it, it feel like it can satisfy most fans, but don't see it as kind of top tier Nam, and I wouldn't go into it thinking that it's going to be you know the best gore film or the best you know erotica film you've ever seen it's a it's an awkward mix of the two but he i i i i definitely i commend him as always for just having ideas and having the the gusto just to do it and um you know just this feel this feels like an amnesia film it feels like you can tell it's an amnesia film Mm, i agree i agree uh and uh, my just brief note uh I would have liked to see actor Lam Chung in more roles as a Taoist priest, which is his role here. Oh, yeah. Slightly elder actor. He's in Bullet in the Head. He's the guy that... uh, He's in a lot. uh, uh, He's in a lot of John Woo movies, I think. Uh, He's the guy who, in the cutscenes in Bullet in the Head, gets urine poured all over him. And that's why you see in the more common version of Bullet in the Head in that club that he's all slimed up all of a sudden. And they they keep him hostage and there's a big gunplay scene. Uh, That's Lam Chung. Obviously, Elder Act, I don't think he was uh, stunt able, if you will. He was not an action performer in his younger days. I don't think anyway. But he looks good in the Taoist priest role here or the sorcerer or whatever who helps the girls at one point. And... uh, Yep. So I would have liked to see that. I mean, it's a he looks good in that design with the beard and uh, and, and kind of kick ass, uh, you know, because he's in the special effects scenes without being without the need of being hoisted up in the air or anything. But uh, yeah, he look he looks exactly the same for most of his uh, career as well in cinema. So that's always great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> to permanently look fifty is always nice. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of many comfort presences, even though you might not know his name all of the time. But, uh, you know, hey, hey, that guy who I think I saw in these three, four movies. Yep. Uh, so his name, his name is Lam Chung. Uh, okay, uh, Universe had distribution rights for all three of these erotic ghost story movies. There's actually a fourth one, kind of, that's called Erotic Ghost Story Perfect Match, which uh, with Elvis Choi was made in 1997, but it doesn't have a four in it. So, you know, it's you don't need to bundle them up. Uh, and all of them are unrelated. Well... Kind of, but you know, the second one you get appearances by Amy Yip and at least one of the actors, as I think it's Mansur Sui. Uh, eh, but I'm not sure how it connected as such. But there are cameo, cameo appearances, and then Anthony Wong and the girls take over in Erotic Ghost Story 2. Uh, but uh, those DVDs by Universe are out of print. Uh, the, the rights were at Star TV, and therefore that means Fortune Star were involved, and and uh, gave distribution de- uh, rights to joy sales for all three movies as far as i know all three of them were on dvd but they may be harder to get online now as uh, those dvds doesn't seem to be pressed as extensively anymore that uh, legendary collection that it was called so search the usual stuff you know ddd house yes asia and ebay and if worse comes to worse there should be torrents out there of these movies especially the first because they're they're, they're popular enough and they are category three movies so yeah uh, so that's us. We are taking a break, and after the break, we are talking story of Ricky. So out with the tits, in with the gore. 
向东、南、西、北四个仓，由四大天王睇住。Welcome back, and this is our review and background and discussion of Story of Ricky from 1992, and the plot which I took from IMDb this time. Uh, to contrast the plot of Erotic Ghost Story, I picked a very simple uh, from Love HK film. I picked a very simple, non-humorous plot from IMDb. So here we go. A young man with superhuman strength is incarcerated at a prison run by corrupt officials and seeks to use his Martial arts to clean up the system. That man is Rikio. He's played by Fancy Wong, and uh, I'll let you take it away, Tom, and talk about the background of story of Ricky because it's not only a movie. It was uh, it appeared in different media's uh, before yes. the 1992 movie. So take it away, Tom. It was actually uh, an original album by Blondie uh, <laughs> called called Rikio punches people and they explode. Um, but it was never completed because it was shit, basically. Yeah. It's not the full name. <laughs> <laughs> let's go. Yeah, let's, let's be serious now. Uh, Ricky O uh, made its Japanese debut in 1983, written by uh, manga, written by Masahiko Takajo, with art by Sado Watari Tetsuya. Serialized in the manga anthology Business Jump. Uh, it ran for seven years, later being published in a 12-volume Tankobon format. Uh, the Tankobon being collected reprints of a, a certain chunk of installments of a given series in a kind of small paperbackish size form. Um, it was also given a Hong Kong release in nine parts in a similar fashion. The Hong Kong version ran shorter, though, dropping a story not involving the main protagonist entitled NY Dust. Uh, from here, the manga span off with two OVAs. Uh, original video animation, for those who don't know, uh, released in 1988 and 1990, respectively. The first, Rikio, The Wall of Hell, retells the prison chapters of the manga and thus arguably was a strong source for the live-action film. Ken, you have seen this OVA. I have. The first one, I, I wasn't really encouraged to see the second one, to be truly honest. Uh, uh, but, but Walls of Hell is essentially the movie about running 45 minutes. Uh, they, it's, but but that means it's very true to the manga source because it's uh, documented that Nam Lai Choi essentially was on set, you know, looking at the comic book and uh, and doing, you know, his compositions based on the comic book. And obviously, as we will talk about, it's very faithfully designed. So for the OVA, uh, it's safe to say that it's probably very faithful design-wise and uh, in terms of the story beats from the from the from the uh, from the manga. But. Uh, uh, you know, so some minor events are different. You know, the backstory to uh, Ricky is somewhat different, and uh, but but n- nothing that screams like, uh, "Oh, the movie was so much better story-wise." Oh, the, the OVA was so much better story-wise. It's very, very, very similar. And and while it's violent in the tr- tradition of the manga for sure, I can't help but to think that I wanted it to be even more outrageous. You know, I, w- I wanted uh, violence, Jack, Fist of the North Star, the North type Star. of violence. Woo! And uh, it has that, you know, and gory moments are here that are similar to the movie, but, you know, I wanted I wanted it to be more punchy. I expected it to be more <laughs> outrageous, you know what I mean? Punchy, literally, but, you know, there are, you know... Maybe it's my my psychosis that uh, speaking here, you know. 
but uh, I was kind of disappointed. I wanted to be a bit more kicky, bit yeah. more eye jabby, No, even when um, you know the, the, there's an instance where a character's uh, face is torn off. You know what I mean? Uh, by Yukari Oshima in the movie and in the OVA, there's um, we we see like a bright flash which represents the slice, and then we see a shot from behind where blood is you know pouring out from the face. But it's mm. you know it's not as cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's a it's a decently animated uh, OVA and all of that. It's there, but it's still not. I, I've seen better OVAs in that regard. No, still not the best uh, out there. But it's all very decent. It's it's fun to see how true the movie was to the source. Really, I mean, uh, really, really uh, admirable in that regard. Yeah, and, well, uh, so... uh, I, I won't say it actually fills in some gaps uh, that the movie actually uh, leaves wide open, like why Ricky is all of a sudden walking the prison yard at night, <laughs> being in his cell, cut to he's walking outside. There, there's a scene in the OVA where he punches the, out the wall of his prison cell, showing that you know he, no prison cell can keep Ricky, and then he walks out to the guy they're walking away, uh, walking out on a stretcher. You know, the, that uh, dramatic scene. That's explained in the OVA. And like, why didn't they shoot that? <laughs> they're lazy. <laughs> yeah. The ending is totally different to Story of Ricky is way more outrageous. There's no mutated warden fight in the OVA anyway. What? Maybe in, Yeah, it's a very bare finale in that regard. So that I don't know if the manga had that mutated warden fight versus Ricky. Or if that was something Nam Night Shoy came up with, who, who also wrote... The story of Ricky. True, true. I so mean, there's, there's so many kind of OVAs. This was the OVA kind of height in Japan at the moment. So, I mean, I, I assume possibly just from what you said that it might be rushed just because of how many they were coming out at the time and how fast it was, you know, growing as a, as a format in Japan. Possibly, yeah. So, so based on all that, I wasn't really keen on watching Child of Destruction, which is which is the second OVA. So, uh, but my, I might one day, but not for my prep for this episode also. Okay. Okay, well, yeah, it's saying that, uh, yeah, Ricky Child Destruction, it it deals with uh, Ricky's adventure to find his brother and, and destroy his brother's cult, uh, apparently, and between the manga, anime, and, and live-action takes on the story, um, they're all set in a crime-filled, it's what they got in common, the common link, um, amongst other things, is that they're all set in a crime-filled, uh, apocalyptic future, uh, although the movie uh, really only hints at this in its 2001 setting. Um, the OVA, by the way, is set in 1990X. Yeah, that's always... The thing is, that they do that, but that's still out there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, they, they all contain the, the ultra-physical, action-orientated, gory violence, mostly down to Riccio possessing superhuman strength and, and being apt in martial arts. In the movie, it is Ricky's girlfriend who dies at the indirect hands of heroin dealers, sleazy fuckers. Um, <laughs> and in the manga and the anime, it's a small child who Ricky befriends, um, but is killed by Yakuza. Uh, and both events lead him to take revenge and end up with him being put in a maximum security prison. Um, from here, both media adaptions closely follow the manga with small kind of minor modifications, uh, mostly, and I'm guessing... Just from pure guess, so these are probably to make certain scenes more cinematic, uh, dropping things from the book that don't translate well to screen, etc. Nam might have had ideas to take things further. Um, from there, the film finishes on somewhat of a cliff- cliffhanger, whereas the source material and anime continue Ricky's quest to find his brother. Ken will talk about 
the sequel now to Riccio. Well, there is none actually, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, there was there was some like uh, thoughts that hey, there's a sequel out now, but no, there really isn't anyway. Uh, <laughs> as it turned out, you know, there there was something that came out that was known as either Dint King or Inside King, aka Story of Ricky Two or Super Powerful Man. You know, th- those were titles that were floating around. That was released on video in Hong Kong around two thousand and three, two thousand and five. But but the, the plot does not follow those events that take place after the movie and uh, the first OVAMs. Uh, it's uh, it is set in a distant future. Uh, uh, m- way more distant <laughs> as opposed to 2001 as uh, was uh, the case for, for the film and 1990X in the OVA but uh, uh, it really is no no one really could figure out you know, why it echoed so much Ricky O style of imagery and in the name and stuff like that even Fan Xu Wong who stars in it he wears that uh, poncho that that, uh, that appears in the OVA and uh, and the movie and stuff like that you know which is a calling card a trademark for the character he apparently wears that in this uh, Dint King Inside King super powerful man but it isn't a sequel uh, so uh, and probably not very good either it came, it came from that period where Hong Kong cinema was struggling if it's a direct to video thing it might even been a uh, might have been shot on video as well uh, I never pursued it because it didn't look interesting at all and um, I, I had problems sitting down with Hong Kong cinema from end of 90s beginning 2000s and if they're shot on video too i mean it's not yeah, the, it, the cover art doesn't really make it kind of stick out it's something i want to see but and and also it wasn't subtitled on dvd either so so, so that's another um, that's another uh, reason why not to sit down in front of it uh, yep. so it's so really uh, me to 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 like clear clear out the air in case it wasn't you know, cleared out there is no sequel with uh fancy one for story of ricky but it seemed like it uh, based on the chinese title and names and design of the character at least on the front cover but uh, yeah yeah there you go uh so fancy one starting that and uh let's talk of fancy Wong. so let's take it away it. tom fancy Wong, aka Louis Fan, aka Terry, um, aka Bobby Fanford, aka Fanny and Wang. Uh, no, the, I, I just made up those last two. Um, last one was Terry. It's on Wikipedia now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know where Terry came from, but apparently he's known as Terry as a stage name, possibly. Uh, I would have loved if his uh, English name. name. <laughs> yeah, I would have loved if his, if his English name was Brian because I love the name Brian. You know, after watching so much Monty Python throughout the years, you know, it's Brian is a fantastic name. Brian's the name. Uh, yeah, he was born in 1973, the son of prolific heavy Fan Mei Sing, also a supporting actor in Story of Ricky, uh, playing the prison warden with the hook. Yes. Uh, in his early teens, upon request to his father, Fan travelled to his ex, is that Ch- Chuzu? Chuzu. 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 We're learning things, sir. We're learning <laughs> to study in gymnastics and, and wushu. To improve upon his match matchstick-like physique, doing yeah. the uh, the finger thing there, because uh, I didn't know, I didn't see him at that time. I'm just doing the finger thing because that's <laughs> what I read. Uh, after early appearances uh, in his father's co-directed picture Amsterdam Connection, uh, Choyun's Descendant of the Sun, and T Lung Starer, The Master Strikes Back, Fan Su Wong started to gain small, youthful supporting roles throughout the 80s in films such as the classic Right and Wrongs. Uh, and David Lamb drama Goodbye Mammy 
before enjoying a meteor part in, in Stanley Tong's Stone Age Warriors and finally giving the lead here in Story of Ricky, his breakout role. Did you get it, Ken? Because at the end, he breaks <laughs> Yeah, Arguably due to the you know box office failure of, of Ricky O, uh, the Cat 3 ratings have a lot to do with it. Ken, you have thoughts on this matter? I mean, minor Let thoughts. Me uh, I, 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 I'm sure it could have been a hit, but my, my take is... At this particular period in time, you know, that particular release window, you know, it the combination of Category 3 and only violence, this had no sex. It just wasn't striking a chord to audience at that time, you know, they couldn't generate interest Golden Harvest, which, you know, were behind this movie. And, and who knows how the marketing campaign went. And finally, who knows if the interest in particular in Japanese comic books really... And, and comic book adaptations, really, if, if that strikes a chord in struck, struck a chord in 1992's Hong Kong audience, you know, it seems like it, these key elements just weren't meant to be. In this case, it was not. Uh, my, my point is that it was not a doomed recipe from the beginning. Though I just think that it just couldn't. It, it didn't appear uh, appealing to audiences. Uh, so, yeah, uh, but, 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 but my final point, pardon me, I think it was always destined to do one thing, though, and it was that it would create some kind of ripple effect overseas. Yeah, a cult, cult film. Yeah. It's got cult film written all over it, Absolutely. to be honest. Yeah, but uh, reportedly as well, you can clarify, again, the first Hong Kong movie to receive a Cat 3 rating for violence... Uh, for violence only was uh, well, Fan Xiu Wong's. Yep. Um, he talked about this in the Hong Kong Legends interview, and, yes. and I think he's pretty much right. I mean, her vengeance was category three, but I've also read that it was released just before the category three rating, and poster subsequently perhaps had the category three rating. So I think it's one of the few that was category three for violence only. I think he's uh, right in that regard because sex definitely was what you connected to category three sometime before all those true crime uh, horror movies came out like Dr. Lamb and Untold Story and what have you. Those still had sex and rape and stuff like that. This doesn't have yes. any, any nudity. No, 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 no. Uh, just, I just want to say I just found a forum on IMDb. I know I'm going off on one now, but this is about Story of Ricky. Someone said... But they should do remaster the film in HD. Have the option for the viewer to watch the movie with its original effects, or an option to see the effects in new CGI. What? The next comment someone's wrote: "I think you're stupid." <laughs> 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 I, I I agree with this guy. You're retarded. You don't even know. <laughs> Brilliant. IMDb, always a place if you want to laugh. They did that with the fucking <laughs> Dragon Ball movie from Taiwan. They redid that a few oh, years ago yeah, with new I effects. I fucking heard about that. Yeah, I did. But I not good that. effects. Not good effects. Shitty Out of effects. all movies to pick, oh, the Dragon Ball man. movie from Taiwan, which by uh, all accounts looks pretty good. They inserted uh, Chow Yun Fat in, <laughs> in the background <laughs> in his Hawaiian shirt. I think it was before the Chow Yun Fat movie. So, so. Yeah, they did. So. in there. They needed the uh, continuity, Ken. Mm, well, that's brilliant. Ken. I think you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Period. And no other replies after that. That's my dream. <laughs> that's it. No one else will comment. Uh, yeah, where, where do we get to? Um, yeah, so, I mean, arguably due to the box office failure of, of Rikio, uh, Su Wong has arguably done his most diverse work in the past five years after his worth ethic, work ethic really made him a household name, his homeland. Because um, after a stint for TVB in the mid-90s, 
he appeared in a few more Hong Kong and Taiwan TV productions before focusing tightly on his film career. And I think it's from here he's he's, he's garnered many roles and acclaim from his martial arts heavy portrayals in the Yip Man films, also appearing in Herman Yao's prequel, uh, a strong supporting role in Benny Chan's Action to the Connected, which he's awesome in, uh, a comedic term with Sammo in Sammo Hung in, in Kung Fu Chef. And, and, and I got to tell you, listeners, go out and see Kung Fu Chef. You're, you'll be surprised how good it is. Yes. It's, actually, it's very, very yeah, good. It's a surprising film. Yeah, mm. from, from the, uh, the, the poster art, it looks a bit dodge, but yeah. it's good. It's good. Uh, and, and from there, your complex, kind of darker roles in stuff that we've covered, like something like Derek Walks the Moss. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Phantom Wong is an actor who you can tell just merely glancing at his filmography. He's put decades of humble work and is now living up to success. And um, he's gaining momentum and shed loads of work uh, within the film industry. And he's, he's a safe bet. You can always expect Fan Su Wong to show up in the next big thing coming out of the Hong Kong film industry. And it's true. You watch you know, any film of the past five years from Hong Kong, there's a good chance Fan Su Wong is going to be in it, popping mm-hmm. up somewhere. Absolutely. Uh, and it's, it's great to see him having uh, taken the journey that he has from you know, skinny looking supporting righty wrongs to 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 be in a bulkier bulky muscular gory <laughs> drenched in gore yeah. fella that that is here in story of ricky and uh and stone age warriors nearly here before like holy shit he blew up you know he's, he's, he's reaping the award reaping you know the rewards now it seems which i think is fair play since he genuinely seems like a, a really nice guy from the interviews that mm. i've seen he seems you know very humble and he did have a bit of a kind of you know after this film a bit of a kind of a dry spot but then yeah. the last 10 years or so he's really at coming to his own as, as an actor and he is in just everything even if he is just playing a heavy um mm. he's in so much stuff and i, I really fair play to him because I think he is a really good actor and he's definitely mm-hmm. got better he was only 18 when he did this film uh, Ricky no o. way no way yeah 18 18 so I think so from... he's like 14 15 in writing wrongs then holy yeah crap. yeah so I, I mean, mean he looked young I knew that but yeah I mean yeah. And, and I mean from obviously from you know from that he's he's he's, he's just come into his career with you know again people like Andy Lowe's came from kind of snotty kind of kid roles to growing into a, a really you know, really kind of, uh, well, he just, just just an actor who kind of feels comfortable in his own skin, as opposed to, you don't see that in Riccio to an extent. No, I think, I, I, I think he's literally he's quite very... uh, bad in Riccio, to be honest. He, he, he's mm-hmm. not, he's not, yeah, I, I, he, I mean, it's a sufficient role, but I, clearly if you look at that and, there, and many of the roles in the 90s, you, you can't, you, you can't extract, like, uh, promise in all of the uh, Stone Age Wars is great, but you can't extract promise as such. Uh, and as you said, he didn't look comfortable, really. But the work ethic paid off, you know. Yeah. And and as Mike Leader said at one point, you literally couldn't get Fancy Wong arrested for anything at at some point in Hong Kong <laughs> cinema, you know, because it was it was really a dry dry spell. And uh, I'm glad to see this work ethic uh, paying off because now. His presence has totally changed. Changed completely, yeah. Changed. And he doesn't look that different, you know. Nope. Uh, uh, nope. Just comfortable and uh, assured, air, and as uh, <laughs> and uh, will age with grace like a motherfucker. So uh, yeah, we will. So uh, I'm very glad to see that journey, and uh, um, it's not like it's hard to watch these old movies, but it's clearly light years away from the oh, comfort yeah. that uh, is in him now. Not say that you know he was, he was in shitty films or was you know no, really no, no, sh- no. shitty in it, but obviously his acting style and just being comfortable in his own body helps a lot. I think the, the exact same transformation that you know Andy Lau went through. 
mm-hmm. um, just being comfortable in your own skin and comfortable with the person you are, and, and that obviously shows in your acting. Because, uh, you know, obviously in right and wrongs and stuff, he just plays these, these kind of snotty kid roles. Um, it's kind of fine in right and wrongs. I mean, I, uh, uh, that, that, that's a role that sort of fits because it's not an action role. He's, he's an informer that, um, that appears in support in the movie and stuff like that. So. No, 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 yeah, yeah. So uh, he's made to work in Stone Age Wars again. It's a, it's a fine presence. I remember Stone Age Wars a lot more because the ladies are put in... Uh, in such peril, it seems they're working with the various animals in that movie, you know, and, okay. and there's outtakes in that movie where it seems like it's uh, dangerous. Maybe they work with tigers or panthers or leopards or whatever, but it looks uh, hairy at points. <laughs> 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 no, and uh, it's Nina Lee and uh, uh, Elaine uh, Loy or something like that in that movie. So it's good fun. Stone Age Wars is uh, good fun. Mm. Uh, okay, uh, I have quite a long opening statement for Riccio and I need mm. it so, so I'll, let, I'll let you do your opening statement first about what you think about the story of Ricky it's great <laughs> okay good good Bye. No, it's it's, uh, it, 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 it's it's let me just let me see it's a fun film it's not the perfecto splatter masterpiece I think it's been made out to be in the past I think it suffers from long stretches where not a lot happens, but when the splatter hits, it's awesome. Uh, to think it was once banned in certain countries is almost laughable as to how fantastical, cartoonish, and non-realistic violence looks, but I don't think it's Nam's best film either. No. But I do enjoy it a lot. In points. Alrighty, so bear with me here because I needed this build-up here in my uh, first brief opinion. I'll just, I'll just, I'm going to go get a drink. <laughs> yeah, you probably need to. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so although Seventh Curse amped up the splatter factor in uh, for Nam Choi and as part of his filmography, and other movies in the eighties, uh, this is early nineties, but you know Hong Kong movies knew how to be gory and bloody every now and again. And uh, you got Seeding of a Ghost from Shaw Brothers, Boxer's Omen, which I've yet to see. I've heard is you know, quite graphic and energetic. Uh, Tom Lau's The Rape After, which is close to the closest we get to a mix of Lucio Fulci and Dario Argento in a Hong Kong movie. Fantastic movie. Uh, it's not a rape movie. It's a more of a Rosemary's Baby possession kind of movie. Mm. Uh, so, and, and, and Story of Ricky, really, it, it propels Hong Kong cinema into something that wasn't common at all, you know, i.e. being a full-on splatter movie. Uh, yeah. And it has ambitions that pays off uh, to, uh, to be a good adaptation of the source material and to be a showcase for physical gore all throughout not a little tease here and there of that that they could build like prosthetic effects and stuff like that no 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 this ramps it up and no wonder Nam Night Choi was brought on board to to deal with this uh, because uh, obviously his filmography is varied we know that but he must have had a rap rep uh, about uh, uh, he was a director who knew excess he knew energy who knew, who knew splatter and although this movie is superbly fun uh in regards to the gore and executed with rather high skill in that technical department i mean it, it is a lot of rubber again but it a lot of it holds up still it's a lot of it is really disgusting too uh and and it's physical and that's why i like it gore when i like gore the most when it's physical yep. but why it's way down my list of favorite you know what's your favorite nam night choi movies i mean it's probably my fifth or sixth and he's done like ten or something, something like that. Yeah, uh, sure. But 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 think for a minute. It's way down my list of favorite Nam Nai Choi movies. Uh, and hold hold that thought because it's a list that contains a lot of high quality movies. Uh, you know, 
yeah. It, it, yep. If it's way down the list, it's still a pretty good list, you know. And uh, and they so, so superbly fun as I said. It's also very cheaply production designed, although it's said to be set in a real prison. But it looks very cheap. And 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 finally, why it doesn't work for me, and we will get into this more, the serious tone. Oh god, this is Cla- actually, yeah, clash, clashes exactly with the say. outrageous gore. I think the serious tone makes it. Yep. embarrassing at points and i <laughs> i it's really I, I can't let go of certain elements in this movie despite thinking it's superbly fun it's a rare beast for me in that regard so i'll i'll, I'll talk more of that um and and uh why i think that so w- what do you want to say first uh, what do i want to say um yeah i mean let's 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 go i mean what you touched upon scenes such as you touched upon twice now as as ricky in the rain okay mm-hmm. One of the guys dies, shouting and screaming because of the death of one of the inmates. And the sentimentality attached to that feels so forced and out of nowhere. And I think it's moments like these that really bog the film down. Like, Richard, he didn't even speak to that guy. Mm-hmm. No, it, it ta- no. no it, it, it takes itself far too seriously for its own good. And instead of being kind of comic booky and tongue-in-cheek, it lays down this this very stern very serious atmosphere and i don't feel it's a suitable match for the you know the gore tour de force mm-hmm. on offer um it's definitely it struggles at times um with keeping the the energy and keeping it up like no one even cracks a smile i think it's a very mean-spirited film as well mm-hmm. which it feels quite surprising that for a film that's kind of you know just like like you know fun kind of the fun factors not there do you know what I mean? With the gore, in terms of the gore, and kind of enjoying the gore, it's there, but I think in terms of the fun factor, in terms of, you know, laughing or kind of feeling a part of the characters or having fun with the characters, it's not, it's very in, in, kind li- of a... in live motion, this kind of doesn't work. Yeah, it, because yeah. It, it, it's, it, that, that all is true, same true to the source material. The OVA didn't like wink at you and had a, but it worked so much That's better. Paper. <laughs> that, that is paper, but, but you know, paper. it it really is embarrassing at points. Uh, uh, but no wonder it got popular, and I'm happy, so happy that it is popular, and, and that two or three movies are known from this guy's filmography, and maybe one viewer every now and again knows that the name is Nam Night Choi. If it's a gateway drug to to this kind of this whole this whole thing, then I'm, I'm very happy for it, you know, to be that. Absolutely, uh, but uh, but 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 here's the thing, and maybe this is the movie that made me want to do this series because I, I don't like that this is the reference. Do you want to get uh, off your chest? Reference movie. <laughs> I want to get off, get, get off my chest. There are there are so many better movies yeah. in his filmography. True. But but uh, yeah, but okay, going into some specific stuff and the lead into to like the gory the gory stance that it does take. You know, uh, we get the first. Uh, slice of that when literally the uh, old man's uh, face is sliced uh, with that workshop tool that you even out wood with i don't know what it's called yeah. uh that's achieved through cuts uh and uh already finished makeup effects but his entire uh you know middle of his face is like sliced up you know whoa but that's not where the movie gets its rep via finished you know uh makeup effects you know yeah. uh tripping head first into a nail board yeah, uh, dummy. That is that is where it gets its rep, and that is fun. I love how none of the 
the the dummies for the characters well look nothing like them. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> but but that is well like conveyed like hey I'm in now but then uh, as you said a lot of uh, a lot of the time we don't get as much gore and more drama that and it is not flowing very well at points and, uh, and and I was so sure that they built this prison because it looks so bare and empty Cheap and for definitely a film, for a film in terms of like I mean in terms of the cinematography and and the way it looks it feels high budgeted but in terms of the sets and the cheapness of it it, it drags it back down yeah it's a and apparently it's... it's a standing set it's a real prison so I'm thinking like is it newly built fucking made that shit with Lego it looks, it looks like <laughs> and, and then I started to think to myself maybe it's the latest prison in the franchise because the movie like uh, prisons are prisons are franchised essentially you know yeah. like so maybe it's the latest one but no like mcdonald's but with rape <laughs> exactly <laughs> but but then again i kept thinking to myself no for some reason in the case of this movie i can't tune myself to let go of certain things 99 percent of the time watching movies i can and, and and then you got the issue of ricky himself and why he appears str- super s- strong in some scenes and can't break out of anything and why he doesn't do that in other scenes and that annoys me because yeah, I good. wanted some kind of explanation. Okay, in the OVA, I got an explanation why he all of a sudden is walking in the rain uh, after he's been in his cell. In the OVA, you see him breaking out of the wall, uh, you know, out of the cell. Fine, I get yeah. that. Uh, it's because it's not. It's not even. I think probably people would make might guess that it's a revenge film, but it's not even that. It's it's not a revenge film at all. The plot just seems to kind of happen. There's mm-hmm. revenge in the film, but Rikio's not taking revenge. That's not really his main main draw, main kind of his main kind of energy. So it's it's more things just happen, and he kind of gets tugged along, mm-hmm. which again it, it's somewhat weak, and, and it, the, the serious tone of it, uh, with the fact that there's a kind of a weak kind of, you know, he's a weak kind of why he's doing it is is kind of weaker, and and it, it doesn't again it, it feels like. It's just being dragged down by kind of storytelling that's that's not quite fast or choppy enough, or quite mm-hmm. kind of fun or, or you know exciting. It's quite drag plot that kind of drags, and then we have a great gore scene, and then it kind of drags again. And mm-hmm. I mean, it, 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 you could say it's kind of so bad that it's good in spots. Yeah, I think that's maybe how a lot of people see, it, especially if you watch the English dub, which is fucking hilarious. It's, by, uh, by, it's by hilarious, hilarious but not awful. very good. Yeah, by hilarious I mean awful, and yes. you'll have a laugh with it. Uh, especially, I can see it, it giving like a really kind of trippy, kind of so bad it's good kind of vibe to it. But I mean, again, yeah, what I didn't clock onto before this viewing is how dark the film is and how much of an oppressive tone it has. Mm-hmm. And it's in such stark contrast to something like the Seventh Curse, which, whilst very gory, has such a kind of light, fun atmosphere to it to, to steer it along. Another reason why I don't think you know it works as well as initially I would like to think, and probably viewers mm. going into it would like to think. And that Nam new darkness and the uh, gloomy, uh, gloominess, yeah, of course. But uh... and you wouldn't think you wouldn't think. I mean, you wouldn't think it could get darker than something like a vengeance. But in, in, in at times it does feel very kind of mean spirited and very oppressive. The Gordas and, and almost depressing, which is again it, it's another reason why sometimes I struggle with getting through the whole film. Um, mm. Certain yeah. moments are absolutely great, like certain and certain lines of dialogue are, are quite fun as well. But yeah, some of the some scenes are just like Jesus, like this really is kind of very black, surprisingly black for the tone of of the, the how comic booky and how how kind of big natured and how fun the violence is. 
But uh, speaking of the violence and some of my probably my favorite gore scene in the movie is actually not the one that's quoted over time. It's the when uh, Ricky guts the fat man attacking him in the shower, uh, where he you know <laughs> pu- punches uh, punches here you know punctures his stomach again, and that that is a great effect. Why it's really sharp is especially when the fat man falls down in slow motion <laughs> and the wound uh, the open wound. Uh, when he lands yeah. it, obviously it splashes all over the walls as well. Oh yeah, it, it, they, they've applied a whole lot of great stuff in there that uh, flies <laughs> perfectly, you know, all over the place. It does. I I like it. Um, I like. And, it and that looks good, to be honest. It's not like, oh my it's god, that's so. Uh, it's really really well applied effect, uh, actually, and well performed as well. Uh, when uh, when uh, Fancy Wong, if it was him that actually performed the, the punch into the prosthetic, but. Um, yeah. It looks, it looks, and the fact that it's a slow motion makes it even better. I like yeah. the fact that when when Ricky gets chucked around, he smacks his like, he gets smacked up against the wall, and there's just no sound. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's like it's like it's paper or something. But I do like, um, yeah, the dub, the dub is horrendous. Someone played paid me one bag of rice to put you into a mince pie. Does it make sense? Like, <laughs> what? what are you talking about? And like, and the fact that they they re they rename the characters. Well, we got like Zorro, and it's trying to be kind of ironic and funny, but it's just shit. Really, uh, to be honest, really didn't register I'd with me that time. I'd rather watch it in German. To be <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, the German dub is really super serious too, and not in a good way. Uh, my friend told me that so. Uh... They they didn't apparently didn't have fun with it either. They recognized it's a dark dark movie and they decided to be boring about it. So. You got a lot of guts, Oscar. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, holy hell, I if I didn't know a lot and I don't know a lot really, but I uh, I wouldn't have instantly recognized Fun Meisheng in this movie. He playing the uh, one eyed prison warden with the hook, uh, cleaned up, no scruffy hair, no scruffy beard. Uh, uh, you know, it's a total transformation. Such a repulsive bastard in it. That yeah. that that bloody steak he eats looks disgusting. I think that's the word. I mean, you think the violence is off-putting? It's not. It's just fun. That bit made me sick. It's horrible. <laughs> bloody. I like a steak like the next guy, but not when it's covered in fucking blood. Like Jesus, cook that fucking thing. <laughs> and, and he uses the hook as a fork as well, which is uh, nice and practical. I suppose. Hey, what is it? What is it about undercooked steaks and us? Like undefeatable? Like that fucking horrible pink steak as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when she was but, attempting to do something listen, with it, uh... when it's black on the outside and pink in the middle, it's not cooked. <laughs> it needs to go back in the pan. <laughs> Fuck. But but yeah but but I love that uh, you know it, it, it it's fun to see father and son interacting on screen and stuff like that uh, and uh, but but uh, one of the few design choices I like is uh, that the prison warden has a porn stash in his office. <laughs> oh, it's a porn video. And he's not hiding it. <laughs> it doesn't. I mean, he hasn't even got like you know nifty kind of like glass kind of shell with glass cake. It's nothing. It's just there, all out in the open. Yeah. You know, big titty girls fall. German bitch six. It's like, got, hey, Ricky, what? Check out my porn. But, Look at yeah. this porn. Yeah. Look at me hook hand. Yeah. How am I going to do anything with that? <laughs> <laughs> when you leave, I'm going to masturbate with that. What do you think about that? Oh, my God. Don't tell me that. <laughs> uh, so, so that's a fun design choice. Uh, uh, again, the flashback story is uh, different, at least compared to the OVA, because here we get, um, you know, he's um, out for revenge on his girlfriend, who's... Uh, Played by the, as always, adorable Gloria Yip, who was the Nam Choice uh, lady of choice in supporting roles, bit parts, 
lead from yeah. Peacock King and onwards. She's uh, more, uh, she's the lead in the Peacock King Saga of the Phoenix and uh, the leading lady essentially in the cat. And yeah. uh, she looks adorable. I mean, it's it's a worthless part, really. I mean, I mean uh, Wong, he, he looks adorable in the flashback scenes. I mean, he's wearing, you know, a yellow polo and like a white kind of um, sweater vest, would you call it? Like a, it's a sweater, but it's also a vest. He looks, he looks fresh as a daisy. <laughs> that's why that's why I took from that to be honest from that flashback but he has got the best the best most ridiculous suicide <laughs> ever in any film ever there's just yeah it needs to be seen I mean it needs to be seen I mean you see I dummy mean, shots in movies and then there's shots this like shot. in this movie <laughs> this, this, this dummy was filled with fucking marbles because the way the way it studs to the ground boom <laughs> and the fact that there's no thought to suicide as well, it's just like, you know what, I'm going to scream for about 20 seconds and then jump off the building. I'm going to have no thought to it at all. It, it's pretty, pretty great. Pretty amazing. And I mean, we, and I mean, you, you should be able to, in reality, to let go of shoddy narrative stuff like this. And, and again, I can't for this movie because he has an ill fit for the movie. Uh, uh, I didn't care about the drama at all. Uh, uh, mostly because she appeared for like 20 seconds in total Gloria April. There's no I mean, time to build up a, any sympathy for her. No. You know, we see her in, I think, three, like, and, two and they're like sugar, and, and they're like sugar-sweet scenes, you know. Yeah. Apparently okay. they're in love, but who cares? Give me gore, but I, 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 unfortunately, as you said uh, earlier, we are forced to wait for the gore for quite some time for a while. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's... it's, it's um... I think you know. I think in terms of when it gets to the gore, it's great. I mean, the splatter itself is, I think, Nam's best yet in his career. I'm not mm-hmm. talking about the film. I'm talking about the actual gore effects are so they're so far kind of in terms of creativeness and mm-hmm. the serial kind of thrill. It works so well. Um, but I also a, a big problem. I think I just think Fan Su Wong, although I, I like him in the film, he's just somewhat wasted. And I, I think I mean the guy had and has martial arts talent. And we've seen that in, in, in recent films. And I think we get tiny flickers throughout the film. Um, and obviously he has a, a tiny fight with... Uh, is he, Yukari Yashimi has a fight with uh, near the end? Yes. yes, re- yes uh, really, there's no yeah. fight action as there's designed no, there's here. There's no fight but, uh... action. That, that's what I feel. Yeah, it's mostly kind of... It emphasis on gore. And we get like tiny little bits and pieces here. And there's some nice kind of... I wouldn't even say stunts. It's mostly just people kind of like wire shots and, and things like that. And I think... He's somewhat wasting. Obviously, at this point, maybe he, he wasn't comfortable with a lot of on-screen fighting. I mean, he would become that, but for now, he's probably put in a role to punch people and for the heads to explode. Like let you know, let now do the kind of talking, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, he even this, explained that. Uh, and then I'll, I'll sort out that headshot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he even explained no in the interview that uh, that uh, there was no hardship really on the actors uh, action-wise because. There wasn't a lot uh, by design, but 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 uh, the OVA doesn't have fight action either. I think it's true to what what the story is and all yeah. of that. Uh, and but th- th- there is some good like uh, uh, hits and falls. You know, they they're thrown into yeah. things. And and one of the like, big guys that Rikio fights actually takes a fall where uh, like the bearded. I don't know. He, he rips out his tongue. I think at some point and. It's the guy that Ricky is stuck in um, the contraption oh, with that yeah. is about to squash them. That guy yeah. takes a fall where he hits his head. Uh, uh, fur. Uh, he doesn't take yeah. a proper fall, so you can see that like 
his, the back of his head hits the floor in a rubber. Ooh, not oh, good. I fell over. <laughs> and uh, yeah. that was so it not, didn't seem like a train stunt man in that regard. But uh, uh, and and on that on those conflicts uh, with various characters, we we don't care about the gang conflicts in the prison. We don't care about the the uh, oh, prison build, uh, pr- uh, prison politics and all of that. So yeah, just, just it, nothing, it's, it, it, all the subplots just meaningless. Like the, the the opium plot is solved within seconds. And it, it means nothing. They finds an opium and burns it. That's it. Done. Um, the whole gang, of, the gang of four, is, is never really explained as to who they are and why they're in the prison and what the kind of hierarchy is of, of the prison. It's not there. <laughs> so yeah, it, it feels like you're lots of kind of loose ends here and there, somewhat tied together by the gore. And I think it's it's, it's a fucking chore at times, really, with some of the kind of just inane dialogue and, and people trying to act and I really and the weird thing is um, Yukari Ashima comes across as very unlikable when she's normally just very very likable uh, you know as an actress and, and in this she just comes across as very very unlikable and I mean maybe that's you know the, obviously a job because she's, she's the enemy but I just didn't find a character very interesting at all it was um, just very much like I, I, could, I just didn't really care that they had a conflict at the end I didn't really care about the fight scene it was this film makes this film makes you want to just see gore and yeah. nothing else. Yeah, exactly. Which is uh, to its it's to its detriment. I mean, it seems like all de- departments were on so such high alert uh, to achieve the gore effects, including Nam Nai Choi. That a- yeah, acting yeah. was secondary, super secondary, yes. and that is not like him. That is not like him. I mean, look at the extras direction at points. The crowd scenes where they have like two moves, like point and talk. Point and talk. Point yeah. and talk. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, dear it's lord. Come on. Shocking. It, it's it is. I mean, there's weird moments like that. There's there's also comedic moments as well that I, I just don't think work at all. Like there's when uh, when Ricky's been buried and they all kind of the prisoners go, oh, I wonder how long you'll last, and they all seem to like light up cigarettes at the same time. Yeah. And it's just very like I just don't. I just don't know what he was going for there. Whether it was a, a gag or I don't know. Like I don't know. It's very it's a film. Very much of things are done. Don't ask why. <laughs> yeah, why, why this is happening? But there are a couple of nice, blackly comedic scenes. I mean, I do like the moment when the warden arrives back at the prison and and Fan uh, Mei Sheng's character trips up his son and he's squirming looking for a way out. And one of the guards just pulls out a prisoner from nowhere to take the blame. Like, <laughs> it was him. <laughs> he did. He did it. Like the prison comes from nowhere. There's no prisoners at all. It's just a bunch of like the wardens, and he just grabs him from nowhere and goes, "It is for He did it. <laughs> which, which yeah, that works. I mean, there's a couple of nice kind of blackly comedic scenes, but yeah, man, it's just it, it's a, it's a highlight reel film if the, if there ever was one. Mm. Like, cut cut that shit down. Have half an hour of just you. You mean that be a nice kind of watch? Just half an hour of just the, the splatter happening. On the water, and he's actually played by William Ho. Uh, fantastic inclusion in this movie, uh, uh, and especially if you know him from Category Three movies, he's usually a raping animal, like in Do- <laughs> Daughter of Darkness, Brother of Darkness, and uh, and that obese son dresses like a twelve-year-old, twelve-year-old, but looks like he could be in his late teens. Uh, that he is funny, and he's not in the OVA, so I'm hoping and praying that because it's not in the OVA that Nam Night Joy came up. With that <laughs> incredibly obnoxious character that I, uh, the the kid, and who, who's uh, who's dubbed by a kid as well, uh, by a twelve-year-old, but looks like he's seventeen or eighteen or something like that. <laughs> uh, 
but uh, uh, I want to go, go back to Yukari. She plays one of the uh, the leaders, I guess, in the prison, and is a male character. That's by design as well. But if I heard correctly, and this is why my my mind wandered, because uh, that's the kind of movie it is. Uh, the dub names are Rogan, I think. And 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 you hear, you hear dialogue like "Don't mess with Rogan," and all of a sudden, you know, Seth Rogan pops into my head, and I, all I wanted to hear was his kind of laughter, you know, <laughs> because my mind wandered to that place, you know. So, this is uh, what Riccio made you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, I just, I just seen um, the fellow you're talking about, the uh, the lad Wong Kwok Lung. Now he's in. He's in. He started in Riccio in 1992 as the a prison commander's son. Uh, he was in Her Fight Always Three the same year. He actually was sound recordist on a film called Chaos by Design in 1988. Yeah. What? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows if that is what true or not? There? But uh, what yeah. happened there? No, this needs this needs sorting out now. What 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 went on there? <laughs> the what legacy of Wong Kwok like, What was he doing? What like? <laughs> What did he do? Did his dad give him like a tape recorder and he just kind of recorded a few bits and pieces? Well, it's not live sound I, I, either. I'm, that movie is not uh, is post you know so I'm finding this out and I'm going to let you know maybe tomorrow. But well, I'm going to talk now. <laughs> <laughs> um, again, Riccio's strength comes and goes too. You know, some stuff seems to hold him off. Like I, I guess There's the no cheese. Yeah, I guess the cheese <laughs> or whatever varies in strength. Uh, even cement will hold him back. But that points, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to figure out, she only becomes energized when sensing wrong, uh, things are wrong and crimes yeah. are about, or, you know, what's going on here, but uh, I don't care anymore. Yeah. So, uh, you know what, uh, <laughs> what are your, some of your favorite gore moments? Because uh, I, I reached one that I that I wanted to mention, and then I'm all out of favorite gore moments, really, because... Many people know of this movie, but the, yeah. when when Ricky O, uh, when he goes fist to fist with one of the characters and he shatters the entire fist and arm of that that's, character, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I was gonna say. Right. It's very satisfying because it's almost like he pulls the punch, Jimmy, just boom, just like his fist just kind of gets carried away. That's also the same guy that he puts his fist through the bottom of his chin and takes off his like mouthpiece, yeah, which is pretty awesome. Uh, as you said before, when yeah, when when the fat guy takes it in the shower, that sounds wrong. Uh, we talk, <laughs> we're talking about the violence. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot, of great, the, the, the lot of the violence in the end when Ricky is just forcing a character into the into a grinder, You're just like like by the hair. <laughs> that, that's pretty awesome. Um, I do like it when there's there's a kind of a twist where the guy, um, the one has an elephant gun. He does mm-hmm. some damage with that when he's shooting the kind of guys. He's like, Phew. anything shoots just explodes, and that 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 gets some some kind of um. Play and in, n- in not end. in the OVA either. No, well there you go. No, I've been been being creative there. Uh, but yeah, there, there are there are so many great moments. And I know you know we both kind of dogged on the film a bit in terms of you know the way it is and, and the kind of tone and. But in terms of the, the gore is untouchable. Like I mean, a lot of people could look at it and say it looks fake, but. God, I'd rather see that than than you know anything. I mean, it's so creative, just sheer creative. And how how long they must have took to set up certain shots, especially shots that are kind of cutaways where something happens and it cuts to you know already pre-done makeup. Is so, like how long? I mean, the guy that gets his uh, the kid that gets his uh, skin like ripped off. Like how long does that take to to set up that? You know, to set up a kind of a whole kind of. There's a lot of really great dummy work. They don't look anything like the actors, but 
they do the job. When the dummy comes, you can expect something like really violent to happen, and yeah, the violence is just explosive. With very comic booky, it's not. It's not very kind of. Uh, uh, doesn't it doesn't feel like it hurts? It feels very kind of funny and very kind of um, laughable, uh, just because of how kind of awesome and explosive it is. Um, you know, it, it works in that way tremendously. It really does. Rico does. Um, as a film, I just I just don't think it, as a film I just don't think it has enough great elements to make it a success start to finish. But in terms of gore, it's it's an awesome kick-ass showreel. So I think that sums it up. I don't need to I don't need to do go over any more notes. I think we're very much in sync in on this movie. But what I wanted to mention I was a few minor notes. Uh, uh, additional notes. Uh, again, you should take into account that this is the f- first and only credited writing gig that Nam Nai Choi uh, did. So he was giving a ri- writer and director credit on this. Uh, again, uh, shows that he echoed the design and beats of the comic and anime very well. So good, good job in that regard. Uh, he could uh, could adapt it. Uh, apparently, uh, according to the commentary by Jude Poyer and Miles Wood on the Hong Kong Legends DVD, uh, Clarence Falk, director Clarence Falk of Naked Killer, was uh, approached to direct but uh, declined uh, declined to direct this. Uh, so there you go. That's how movie industry works. You know, certain directors are approached and uh, some don't want to do it. Some want to. Uh, would it have been a better movie? Who knows? Who knows? Uh, this was actually, by all accounts, uh, cut. In, uh, in the cinema version. The Category 3 version still require cuts. And uh, what, what many people saw was uh, an unsubtitled version from Laserdisc that was uncut. Because again, home video versions could feature additional violence that were, were that censored one censored out for, for, uh, for the cinema version. So, uh, but all of that is now rectified. You know, everywhere you turn, you, you'll get a subtitled uncut version of the story of Ricky, essentially. So uh, that was that then, and I mean, it didn't require subtitles as such, I think, to understand the movie, and, and certainly not to like the movie <laughs> back then, you know, uh, because it would have been made an impression back then based on the gore alone. And the mute uh, that uh, learns to play uh, the flute, uh, who's given the flute uh, to Ricky, is actor Chan Kwok Bong, and uh, I like him, he's a good actor in... Uh, uh, during this period of Category 3 movies, in particular in movies like The Rapist, Gates of Hell, which was shot in San Francisco, and The Diary of a Serial Killer, one of the quite the underrated and unknown uh, movies in the vein of Dr. Lamb. Uh, really good movie, also directed by the Gates of Hell director Otto Chan. And he played Stuttering So in Once Upon a Time in China and America. So, oh, yeah. uh, And he's in Sing Sound too, on the Mandarin track. Yeah. Most yeah. of the people speak Mandarin Sing Sound in that movie. Uh, not the English actors, but you hear their sync sound recording as well. So if you ever get a chance to watch Once Upon a Time in China and America, hopefully you'll get to watch it with the Mandarin slash English sync sound uh, track. Uh, so uh, that's uh, all my notes aside from mentioning that this movie has been available a lot and probably is very easy to find uh, even uh, so to say, out-of-print editions of the film. Megastar distributed it in Hong Kong at, uh, at one point. Delta Mac did. Uh, uh, Joy Sales featured a remastered version, which is probably the one you can find more easily um, on USH, DDD House, eBay, and what have you. It's been released in Austria. It's been released in the US by Tokyo Shock, and uh, I think it's on Netflix as well. So it's not a movie that um, uh, sh- should be tricky to find anyway. So uh, 
And Hong Kong Legends, of course, uh, released it then. I don't know if it's part of the Cinesia re-release package, though. Don't think so, no. Hmm, shame. It was a good seller, yeah. I heard, so... Hmm. I agree, yeah. Uh, but, uh, so, um, and many people have seen Story of Ricky, so I think, uh, you know, we, we're not late to the party because you and I have seen it before, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a known film and uh, people know means to, to get it, so... Okay, next up, and that is uh, the last, last episode in the Nam Night Joy coverage in the director series. The series will go on, but featuring another director. And we are ending it, of course, with a grand finale style. And it is my favorite Nam Night Joy movie out of the ones it's, he's done. My favorite, not necessarily everybody's favorite, I think. The cat. The dog. The oh. dog. The cat of the dog, essentially. <laughs> A.K.A. Thousand Year Cat. Uh, his uh, B-movie sci-fi goo some gore spectacle. Uh, fantastic stuff. Uh, and coincidentally, that was his last movie. You know, his one song, and he went out with a bang and then some before emigrating to Australia, which is uh, said to be his whereabouts, at least uh, um, as of a few years ago. So. I wonder what ever happened and why he stopped making films. Who, who knows what inspiration, knows? where inspiration it's... went? You know, maybe it just he he uh, he exhaled. Uh, you know, he put his all into the cat, and then there was nothing left. Possibly. Do you feel with Hong Kong cinema, weekend, it, it tends to that tends to happen a lot in Hong Kong cinema that the people completely do so many films per year, five films per year for you know ten years, and it just stops. It seems to happen a lot mm-hmm. with with. It, I don't know whether people just get burnt out or whether people just. Uh, you know, just stop, stop doing it. But it's very interesting. It, it tends to happen a lot. Yeah, you can. It, it does, and you can only theorize as to why. Uh, certainly, it's um, yeah. Some some make movies like uh, take twenty years hiatus from making movies. Sometimes, yep. uh, just look at Patrick Tam. Uh, yep. In 1989, he made uh, My Heart is Dead, Eternal Rose, and then in like 2006, his next movie came out uh, after this, Our Exile. Varen Kwok movie and I don't think he's done a movie since then either so. <laughs> uh, I think he's a teacher otherwise so it's not like he's uh, sitting there you know collecting dole while making uh, while <laughs> waiting for his next movie to come along yeah. uh, but anyway we are finishing off uh, the Nam Night Choice series with the cat next time around so see you for that episode and this has been the, the director's series on the Podcast on Fire Network website podcastonfire.com email for feedback podcastonfire at googlemail.com Check out the bonus episode section on the website, which is the extension of the old forum exclusive members only section, but no one uses the forum anymore. So whenever we do new uh, exclusive extra content, check out the bonus episodes on the website. They will only be on there, not on iTunes, not on Stitcher. Join the discussion over at Facebook, facebook.com forward slash POF network is the page click and like interact with us there and also join the discussion group podcast on fire network is uh, what you should write in the facebook search box or follow the link on the very page i just mentioned follow us on twitter twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire check out my writing i have some uh, some not my Choi movie reviews up there so goodreviews.com video reviews sleazykvideo.com and twitter twitter.com forward slash so good reviews Subscribe and leave feedback and ratings on iTunes. The director series should have its very own feed. And uh, you can also stream us via the application Stitcher. Go visit the show page that we'll link to in the show post. But mainly you should stream it via your iPad, iPhone or Android. That's the smoothest way and easiest way to get all the new shows. And once you're in Stitcher, type in Podcast on Fire Network and you can add each show individually. And uh, again, in your best robotic voice, Tom, tell us what you do on the cinemashow.com. Reviews, reviews, 
reviews. Motherfucking reviews. Motherfucking reviews. There's some reviews though. Yeah, if you didn't guess already, there's review. Yeah, you're a good writer, Tom. Check out Tom's reviews, and we'll link to his review index in the show post. Making me blush. Yes, that's what I do. <laughs> Making people run away in fear and fright, but every now and again, um, they they receive my kindness in a good ways. Giving people a red face because he's just murdered them. <laughs> <laughs> All righty, Tom. Thank you, everybody. Ken's not a murderer, honestly. Ken's no, a murderer. no, I'm not a murderer. <laughs> I'm not a murderer. Thank you very much, Tom. You shut the fuck up, Mike. So sorry. Was the recorder still on? No, no. <laughs> Awkward! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this has been the director series. This is Kenneth here with me, was Tom KW, for this epic discussion of gore and tits. Goodbye. Goodbye. In a German accent, nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs>